G'day humans, what's the word? Chris Bundy here with Fruity's Alex for another edition of the Wrestling Oddstyle Weekly Wrestling Wrap. How we doing? We are fantastic. Wow. Um, I, I sort of messaged you offline and I was like, should we even bother talking about Raw and SmackDown and Dynamite and Rampage this week? Because there's so much we need to talk about from the weekend alone. Yeah, especially after the pay-per-view went off the air, but uh, we'll get there shortly. Um, I suppose locally first, a bit of a, an update on what we uh, discussed off the top of last week's show. <laughs> Adam Brooks, uh, and I go to Melbourne City Wrestling, and I quote, it's official, MCW heavyweight champion Mitch Waterman will defend his title against Adam Brooks at our sold-out event New Horizon taking place Saturday, 10th of, uh, 10th of September. New Horizons will stream globally live on fight, order now, and that's got a link. So we went from uh, last week of Adam Brooks being out of the company, done with MCW, wishing you all the best to, uh, hey, Brooksy, you've got a title match next week. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, so I messaged message you this uh, after... I had to think about it. I've gone, this is going to be one of two things. This is going to be, A, this is Brooksy's swan song to the Formbury crowd after so many years of working with and at MCW. He's going to have, you know, his swan song, have a bit of a, a banger match, uh, bow out, a sign of respect, maybe a locker room emptying, applauding him. Or option B, you have Brooksy win, and you do the whole uh, storyline similar to when Punk won the WWE Championship in Chicago over uh, over Cena, and you have a renegade world champion. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not sure that this is a work. I don't think it's a work. I just think Brooksy might just be doing this just. Just the, doing the right thing for the fans, giving them a chance to say goodbye to him. Um, I, I think it is just a swan song thing. Yeah, um, what makes it even more weird is the day before that tweet was put out, they put a statement up on their website. <laughs> Did you have a chance to look at this at all? No, I didn't. Um, yeah, okay. okay, let's see. So... Uh, from Melbourne City Wrestling website, Melbourne City Wrestling wishes to make the following statement regarding Adam Brooks, Adam Brooks and the upcoming New Horizons event. One of the pillars of our community for over a decade, MCW management were extremely disappointed after long tenure, after a long tenure together that Adam Brooks had decided he would no longer be performing for Melbourne City Wrestling moving forward. Uh, at the request of MCW heavyweight champion Mitch Waterman and MCW management have reached out to open discussions with Adam Brooks. As a result of those discussions, Adam Brooks has now come to terms of a Melbourne City Wrestling heavyweight title rematch. And then it goes on to uh, say that it's announced for New Horizons. Yeah. Um, I just find it odd that you'd put out that tweet Wishing him all the best if you wanted to, <laughs> if you wanted to work out doing a goodbye match. Wouldn't you work out some 
sort of thing on mine saying, well, if I don't win, then I'm done. Yeah, yeah, which makes me think this might actually be legit because it's so, like, poorly thought out. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah, whatever's going on at Melbourne City Wrestling continues to change week by week. <laughs> I'm sure we'll uh, talk about next week after the event and uh, the 99.9% chance of... Uh, Waterman retaining the title. We'll probably be talking about Brooksy winning. <laughs> because God knows, I didn't think we'd be talking about him being in a championship match last week. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. Uh, uh, from there, should we touch on a couple of things quickly before the pay-per-views? And I guess the, uh, we'll talk about the news post-pay-per-views because that's where it all sort of falls. <laughs> Dear God. Um, so quickly on Raw. We did have the final of the um, women's, uh, was it, the women's vacated championship match. Oh, boy. So we saw Dakota Kai and EO Sky with Bailey in their corner. And this is one of those matches where I thought it's going to be a 99.9% chance that Sky and Kai win. But no, Ali and Raquel win. They are your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champs. What? <laughs> Fucking just so stupid. Um, I mean, I thought, okay, you're going to have Dakota and Sky win, and one of them is going to take the fall against Asuka and um, Alexa in that six-women tag match in Cardiff and set up a tag program coming out of it because they beat them to get to the final. No, you put it on Aaliyah and Raquel, who aren't even on this upcoming pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I think this... go, going into the match at Cardiff, I thought it was going to be less about building up the tag titles and more about building up the next feud for the women's title. So I never thought that was in doubt. Um, I thought that as well, and I thought that's how you sort of spin those off. You either have that be the finish or you have those two brawl to the outside and have... um. Bailey and Bianca be the finish. Uh, yeah, he, the the problem is, I don't even know why Aaliyah and Raquel are a team. Like, did they just randomly get thrown together for this tournament? Yes. Like, I forgot Aaliyah was on the main roster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did too. Yeah, and. Oh, man. To be fair, I forgot Raquel got called up. Also true. I think... They've done nothing, man. And... I think... Go on, go on. There was just no callback, no, like, mention of Dakota and Raquel. Like... Oh, this was just so wasted. Um, And... Aaliyah's horrible, man. Like... She, she spent she was nine in, years in NXT. Yeah, nine years in NXT, and all of her offense, man, it's just horrendous. It's like watching like like kids when they're like twelve years old pretending to be wrestlers in in their like parents' bloody lounge room wrestling some pillows or something. That's what she looks like. Yeah. This was a horrible match. This is a baffling outcome. 
I thought, okay, you're bringing in these two people, you're focusing them as a tag team, you're giving them a hell of a lot of time. Wouldn't it make sense to put them as the tag champs? And here's the worst part of this. Aaliyah and Raquel are on SmackDown. But this last week's SmackDown was taped the week prior in Detroit because they flew over to the UK. Yeah. So they weren't, like, featured as tag champs. Oh, my God. Baffling. Baffling company at best. Um. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I suppose there's the two final matches uh, to talk about from AEW. I'm just having a quick look. Anything else of note? Uh, Danielson won his match against Hager. Uh, FTR and Wardlow made quick work of Ren Jones and Vic Kapari. Silas Young being the smart veteran, not even bothering to get in the ring during this match. (laughs) Uh, They announced the casino ladder match participants, but we'll just go over that on the show. And uh, the main event of Dynamite saw the World Trio's uh, Dynamite final. The Elite Omega, Nick and Matt Jackson, with Brandon Cutler and uh, Michael Nakazawa ringside, as well as Don Carlos on commentary defeat United Empire, Will Ospreay and Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. Going 18.54, getting four and three quarters from the Observer. Yeah, Kenny Omega couldn't get a five-star match out of Will Ospreay where in in a stage of Will Ospreay's career where Will Ospreay sneezes in the ring and it gets five stars. Um, Also true. (laughs) I was surprised that it didn't get five. Um, I just want to see quickly what that that other qualifier that um, they had in the first round against Death Triangle got. It, it got five stars, I swear. Um, why not load up uh, there? Yeah, it got five. Yeah. <laughs> so we see the problem here. <laughs> yeah, it's Kenny. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, though, this another great trios match. Another oh. great showing from Aussie Open. <laughs> Uh, bit so sad that um, Fletcher was the one to take the fall here, but um, I'm uh, surprised they protected Davis. Davis was getting a lot of buzz online after the Death Triangle match. Just, like, a lot of people just, like, tweeting about, like, how good he looks or, like, just, like, out of the two Aussie Open guys, he was the one that was getting the most tweets. Like, I saw a lot oh. of banter about, like, how he looks like just an an angry, drunk dad fighting. <laughs> yeah, that basically sums up Davis to someone who hasn't seen him. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of appeal in that because he looks different. Um. Yep. And it kind of stands out. And, like, Carl Fletcher, we all know, he's the gun of the, this tag team. But, and he's the prodigy. He's got so, he's so young and he's got so many years ahead of him. But Mark Davis was kind of a revelation to a lot of American fans. And, yeah, the fact that they chose Fletcher to get pinned over Mark Davis tells you that, 
AEW like saw saw the Twitter discourse, saw all the banter online that Mark Davis was getting a fair bit of traction. Fair enough. Uh, did you make time for Impact this week? No, no. Okay. Not this so week. Only, only notable thing on there was uh, the Good Brothers final matchup losing their tag titles to Team Honor No More, uh, Taven and Bennett. Other oh, than God. that, not not really a lot of um of note on there. I mean, Mike Bailey again having another good X Division match in my opinion against Kenny King, but um not really much else of uh of note this past week, at least in ring wise of uh, impact. And I see there that Mascara Dorado um Dorado beat Alex Zane. I didn't know Alex Zane's in impact now, so that's awesome. He's so good. Uh, is Dorada? Who's Dorada? Who was he in the WWE? Is that Grand Metal League? Um. Da, 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 da. Yes, Grand yeah. Metal League. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea he was in Impact too. I haven't watched Impact in a couple of months, so I might have to catch <laughs> up again. Oh boy. Uh, tape Smackdown. Did you catch anything on here? Uh, I I did watch a good portion of it. Um, not a great, note. not a great deal. Um, uh, hit row like man, they haven't gotten any better in the ring. Um, and Ronda Rousey like putting an armbar on Adam Pearce after Adam Pearce reinstated her. So that made no sense. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He reinstated her and then she went, thanks, armbar for you. Yeah, basically. Uh, there was a good beat down with um, Drew and the bloodline. Um, and Butch and Ludwig Kaiser, I noticed Butch is now back to wearing like his Pete Dunne gear when he wrestles. Oh. He looks like Pete Dunne when he wrestles now. So, yeah, obviously Triple H has taken charge now and we're getting a bit of the old Pete Dunne back. I don't know if he'll get his name back, but he he's in the gear, his hair's down, he, he's got the mouth guard in, he's pretty much Pete Dunne again. Yeah. Uh, from there... Did you make time for the Go Home Rampage? No, I didn't, to be honest. I didn't. I, I wish I didn't. So we kick <laughs> things off with the um the World Trios Tournament semi-final match that sees Adam Page and Dark Order, uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, defeating best friends Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta and Orange Cassidy, who had Dan Howes in ringside. Uh, because the previous week... Uh, Evil Uno and uh, Number 10 were attacked by uh, La Faction in Goblin Ablaze. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Ray Phoenix defeats Blake Christian. A non-title mixed tag team match where Ortiz and Ruby Soho defeat Sammy Guevara and Tame Mallow. Yeah, the show just goes downhill after that opener. Yeah. Uh, and your main event for the go-home-before-all-in Ricky Starks defeats QT Marshall and the factory were locked in their locker room, but then broke out and got ringside. Dude, this sucked. 
Yeah. They, you um, look at this on paper, and for anyone who paid to go and watch this, I'm sorry. This was a one-match show. Yeah, and the thing is, like, this wasn't taped, like, the same night as Dynamite. No. This was a this was a live rampage. Yep. Because yes, all indeed. the go all the go home shows are live. Um yeah, so you pretty much show up to the arena and that's what you get. Fuck. I think they did tape um did some they? other matches. Sometimes oh, they would have done dark special or whatever. Yeah, they would have done the dark special uh, an elevation taping, but more often than not, the um, rampage before the pay per view was a live rampage, and they, yeah, they, they fucked it. They fucked it. Um, I'm just looking through this um, dark taping they did. Jesus Christ! Well, you got a Ring of Honor World Title match to cap off the dark taping. You got Matt Hardy and Angelico. What? Oh yeah, yeah. The Hardy family office continues to explode. Ugh. Uh, where's Dark Elevation? Is that taped the same day? No. Okay. Anyway, that was taped with Dynamite. Okay. Um. Yeah. Nothing going on on the go home. Did you make time for? Anything GCW or just that clip that I sent you last night? Um, I saw <laughs> a couple of clips. I definitely saw the one you sent me. Um, I, I love it. Off. It's a, it's a um guy on a ladder who has another guy. He picks him up into a gorilla press slam, throws him off the ladder onto somebody on like on the mat, who does a destroyer. So it's a gorilla press slam into a destroyer. <laughs> So dumb. Oh, fuck, I hate it. So fuck, good. I hate it. <laughs> I love your response. I'm just like, this is wrestling, and you just respond with Cornette. <laughs> yeah, just Cornette, like, swinging a tennis racket was my reply. Um, oh, goodness. If Cornette ever saw that post, uh, ever saw that clip, um, his views and opinions on it, I probably agree with, to be honest. How you turn, like, oh, he was incapacitated enough to get put into a gorilla press slam and all of a sudden he's hit a pile driver? Makes no sense. So <laughs> stupid. Yes, indeed. Um, Anything else of note coming out of GCW? Was this, uh, when is uh, Moxley versus um, Gage? I'm not sure the exact date. I don't even know if it's properly been announced yet, but um, the other clip floating around that went viral for other reasons from this GCW show was um, from the Matt Cardona versus Jimmy Lloyd match, uh, Chelsea Green getting on the apron and getting her tits out <laughs> to distract Jimmy Lloyd. There's no other way to say it than she got her tits out. And, like, they filmed it in a way so you don't actually see. But, but people uh, have cameras. But people have cameras. And the best part is they should have fucking filmed the proper thing because obviously she didn't have her full tits out. She had little pasties over her nipples. 
that's that was the always ready Matt Cardona logo. <laughs> Which, yeah, so like I saw photos of it from like people that were in attendance. That would have been even better if they shown that because that's just hilarious. Um, uh, but yeah, um, did your boy that, win? Uh, yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. Like I said, I didn't see the whole show. There's no way they'd do that spot and he still loses. Um, payday for Chelsea, at least. Yeah, big payday. You'd assume so. Um, oh, the, the faces of the dudes in that crowd and they're just the typical looking GCW fan. You, you, you're like, this is probably the first pair of titties you guys have seen since breastfeeding, right? Anyway, um, oh jeez, <laughs> should we talk about uh, uh, Clash at the Castle then? Yeah, all right. Let's talk about this pay per view. Um, when did from... you watch it? Um, whatever night it was, Saturday, Sunday so, night, Sunday night. So, yeah. uh. I'm a fucking weirdo sometimes. And I watched, I got up at three in the morning to watch this live. After you told us all, get fucked last week to that time. I'm a fucking idiot, man. <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. But I was I, like, oh, what if something really cool happens and I, and it gets spoiled for me? Oh, goodness. The, um, yeah, did you watch this on Fox 8 or WWE Network? WWE Network. I keep forgetting about Fox 8. Because <laughs> I go as... back to watch these, like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it was on Fox 8. So I check KO, and it's like, buy this pay-per-view. And I'm like, no, 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 thanks. <laughs> well, um... And then load up WWE Network. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I didn't see the pre-show. I assumed that there wouldn't be any matches on the pre-show because that's the trend these days, but apparently there was. Yeah, um, so the announced... We'll just run this off quickly. Um, so Millennium Stadium uh, sponsorship name, Principality Stadium, reported attendance, 62,296. Uh, any differing reports you've heard on that at all? Uh, no, no. Um, I believe at one point, Michael Cole accidentally called it Municipality Stadium. Yes. Um, which is something... Uh, where is Municipality Stadium? I, I think it's... I think it's one of the bloody stadiums in Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure, but it is a stadium somewhere. I've heard the uh, name before. Hang on, I'm looking it up for you. Just because I'm a good friend like that. No, I'm Googling it too, and I can't... Municipal Stadium, Kansas City, Missouri. Ah, uh, okay. But yeah, he kept... He called it Municipality Stadium like once, twice in big moments. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, 
Yeah, so, so this venue looked cool as fuck. I loved it. it. The setup was great. It was a very basic stage, like not much of a stage at all. The stage reminded me of, um, oh, I forget which Royal Rumble it is, but it's one of the rumbles in the garden. It's just that little entranceway, and you have the crowd seats right up against the um, the tunnel, the walkway. Yeah, Royal Rumble 2008. Is that the one with the car hanging up? No, but that's the, the same venue. That's also at the Garden. That's um, Royal Rumble 2000. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. But, yeah, um, yeah it, it just it looked really good. Um, so the pre-show match here, which I also didn't catch because I don't watch WWE pre-shows, Madcap Moss and the Street Profits defeat Austin Fury and Alpha Academy via pinfall in six... 29 so uh not really a lot you missed there no um what i didn't uh touch on last week when i was going on about <laughs> matt matt riddle getting his first name back austin theory's got his first name back yeah yeah i wonder if seamus will get his full name back oh god i just hope butch gets his full name back do you even remember what Seamus's first name was originally? No, his first name was always Seamus. His last name full was... Name, o- I meant. Yeah, his last name was O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> S-O-S. Uh, <laughs> What's Kofi doing in the building? Yeah, exactly. So I did make note of this, and I made note of something as well on um, All Out that I'll get to when we get there. So we kick the show off and Cole's listing down a bunch of um, UK wrestling legends and then says, and I quote, UK wrestling is alive and well. Didn't you just cancel your developmental UK promotion? Exactly what I thought. Uh, UK wrestling is alive and well. We will go over this pay-per-view and talk about how no one from the UK won. Um, (laughs) Like... Come on, come on. I mean, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, so we have the kicking off the show is the six-woman tag team match that sees Damage Control. God, I hate that name. Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky defeating Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and Bianca Belair. Yeah, Damage Control. What a stupid name. I hate it. Um. Now, I thought this match was really good, and it just shows the UK fans have been missing at least WWE wrestling because they are chanting for Bailey the entire match. They're doing the whole, oh, oh won't you be my girl? Hey, Bailey, <laughs> chant. And when they chant, we want Bailey, so like Dakota would tag Bailey and Bailey again, and they all go, yeah. And then Bailey immediately tagged EO and they all go, boo. Yeah, oh, it was good. It was good. Bailey was playing off it perfectly. Um, yeah, this is probably the most lively WWE crowd in years. And yeah, it was incredible. It was great. Um, yeah, see, I what hope... you have to do is starve your audience for near 20 years and then give them a pay-per-view. <laughs> it worked with the audience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and 
you know, we're starting to starve again. So we'll be right in oh, 20 years' time when they give us bloody Seth Rollins versus Cody on their last tour. And then the following month, they do Seth Rollins and Cody in Saudi Arabia in 20 Seth years' and time. Roman versus Cody and Drew McIntyre in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait for the day when they are the guys that get brought in for the Saudi shows. They get brought out of retirement. Yes. Yeah, give me give me Cody and Drew. Get bring back the dashing ones. I mean, we we kinda brought back Drew's old theme song for this pay-per-view, so why not? Um So Yeah, this this was a good opener. Um do you think this is where Becky would have been, but they put um, Alexa Bliss in here because Becky's um, out injured at the moment? I almost think that Bianca is in place of Becky. Also true, yeah. And they might have had a women's title match with Bianca. Um, yeah, like... It is tough to figure out, like, if Becky wasn't injured, where would she fit on this card? Um, Maybe she would have just had a singles match with someone else. Uh, But either way, um, the crowd was so hot for this. This was great. Uh, All six ladies are fantastic. Like, all six of them, they're top-tier wrestlers. So, yeah, it was a great opening match. Yep. Uh, from there, we get the Intercontinental Championship match. And shown in the crowd is Bret Hart and the family of the British Bulldog. I didn't yeah. realise Bret made the trip. Yeah, right? That that was the most surprising thing. Um, but, yeah, you had to bring Bret over, though. Yeah. Uh, did you take note of any of the other legends they showed throughout the crowd at, during the night? Uh, not really. Like, I noticed, like, some of the celebrities they showed. Uh, one of them really came into play later. We'll talk about that. Um, uh, there was, was it Gorgeous Adrian? Oh, exo- Exotic Adrian Street and Miss Linda. I actually, yeah. ha- I actually have a signed Adrian Street wrestling figure somewhere. Really? <laughs> Yeah, he had an eBay store and he was selling signed figures and I thought it looked cool. I I knew him from that Grunt movie that we watched. Grunt. Oh, the um the first collection of um WCW Australia tapes. No, no, that uh wrestling movie we watched about the dude that got decapitated. Oh, it was, I forgot about that. Yeah, Grunt, the wrestling movie. Anyway, Adrian Street is a big part of that movie. He's like this flamboyant wrestler in that movie. And I watched that movie heaps as a kid, and then I saw on eBay that he had his own eBay store, and he was selling these figures that he was hand-signing, and he had handmade them. And they weren't that expensive, so I bought one. And it came with, like, this big, long thank you card signed by him and his wife. It was really, it was really cool. Um, So, yeah, WWE Network a few years back uh, did a documentary on him, which was really cool. 
Like he was gold dust years before there was gold dust. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, it was cool to see him. Uh, so we get the uh, the introductions here for uh, the Intercontinental Championship match. Now it's on the ramp is a, uh, I think it's Ludwig Kaiser, and he introduces is a Giovanni Vinci. Yeah. <laughs> what? What are you doing in the main roster zone? Yeah, uh, good. <laughs> I'm so happy about it because uh, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel, now Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser, they were such a great tag team in NXT. So good that it was just a shame that one got called up without the other. So I'm happy that it's happened and kind of expected it to happen when Triple H took over because I know Triple H was very high on Imperium. Yeah. Um, so and Imperium is with, back. With the reforming and the announcement of we are Imperium and out comes yeah. Gunther and it's sort of, uh, they're all in their black and white. Gorn's the, uh, the red trim from the robes. and uh, Yeah, so... Happy to see that the the red where in the world is Carmen San Diego trench coat is gone. He's back Aww. to he looks like Walter again. Like I was almost expecting Ludwig Kaiser was gonna call him Walter when he just when he was announcing him, but uh you can't have too many things you want. No, he looks like skinny Walter. Yeah, yeah, but that's how what, I've separated in my mind. You have Walter, classic, and then you have Gunther, who is skinny Walter. Yes, yes, and yeah, we got a hint of um, at least the the gear looks like Walter. It looks good. Uh, it's a much better look for him. And yeah, these three guys feuding with those three guys for a bit. Yeah, that's gonna provide some bangers. I um, I'm looking forward to seeing Butch Pete Dunn versus Gunther on the main roster. It'll be interesting. Yes, and so out comes Sheamus. You know, sort of big hometown welcome, uh, home country welcome. I guess you could say in a way. Home like. Not even home country, but yeah, close enough. I mean, United Kingdom is a country made of countries. Yeah, yeah, it's it's odd. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Scottish part of me sort of doesn't want to talk about that on air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, we see sort of the six men facing off in the middle of the ring, and uh, each of the sections like Butch Ridge Holland. Uh, Ludwig and Giovanni all brawl to the outside, and then the two men, like Seamus and Gunther, are just standing there, and the ref rings the bell once everyone else is on the outside. And then the match begins. And if you saw the announcement of Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii and thought, man, that's going to be one of the hardest-hitting matches on the weekend, well, Gunther and Seamus saw that and said, hold my beer. Well... To be honest, one of the big contributing factors to me getting up at three in the morning to watch this show was I kind of want to watch Gunther and Seamus live. I kind of want to wake up first thing in the morning, 
and just sipping my coffee, watching these two guys beat the shit out of each other. And boy, did this live up to everything I wanted it to be. It was, oh, it was the perfect wrestling match for my liking. Like, if I was going to be, if I was going to have to describe to someone or show someone the perfect epitome of what I like in wrestling, I'd show them this match. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Two big men slapping me. Yep. Um, this match got a lot of time, as did almost everything on this card when we were talking last week and being like, there's only five matches announced. Um, Chris, you've cut out. Apologies, humans, there for that uh, brief technical uh, delay. <laughs> Internet gods do not like us today, but uh, we're back. Uh, how are you, Alex? I'm alive. I'm alive. We're, we we're kicking again. Uh, so we were living about... in the rural areas with the internet, man. <laughs> it's called living in Australia with an up speed of four. Yeah. How are we the country that invented Wi-Fi yet have shit in it? Penny, <laughs> we're talking about uh, Gunther and Seamus uh, here. Uh, I don't remember where I was up to. I said that the, uh, the four men sort of brought to the outside and then the match began and then we said it was two big beefy men slapping me. Yeah, uh, this was the perfect match for my liking. I loved everything about this match. Perhaps not the right result. Yeah. Considering what happens later. I thought the result of this match happened because, okay, the the UK crowd's going to get the big win in the main event then. So... Yeah, yeah, go on. But, man, Seamus was, like, bleeding out of his chest after the first chop. Yeah, very much um like um, uh, Dax we saw at the um, AEW Forbidden Door show. Yeah. Was it Forbidden Door or um, Death Before Dishonor? One of the two. Yeah, one of them. Um, But, yeah, this... This was a really good match, and it sort of continued an ongoing theme of the weekend for me. Uh, results that just felt like they went the wrong way. Yeah. And, I mean, you could have put on Seamus, have him hold it for two weeks, and then have Gunther beat the shit out of him back in the States. Like, yeah. Give the fans and ha- a happy moment here. Like, we saw that in Australia when Buddy won the Cruiserweight title. We saw that We've seen that before with some of their international shows, okay? So give them something here because this is one of your UK wrestlers. I think one of only two on the entire show. How sad. Yeah, and it's not like they have a lack of UK talent. Um, Like, yeah. Like, they've got Nikki ASH and Dewdrop on their roster. They've got Ridge and Butch here. They could have had a proper match. Um, Absolute waste of UK talent on their roster. But this 
this match was near perfect. It was incredible. It was worth waking up at three in the morning. I'll tell you that. It got yeah. my day started perfectly. It was amazing. So we haven't got uh, Observer star ratings for these yet because Meltzer was on location in in uh, Chicago for All Out. So uh, we'll probably get those later next week. But uh, Cage Match here gave this a 9.15 out of 494 votes. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much perfect. 9.15 out of 10. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, following that was the SmackDown women's title of Liv Morgan, the champion, defeating Shayna Baszler. What was going on with Shayna Baszler's gear and makeup? Uh, not too sure. This was like a match that I struggled paying attention to. Like, the last match woke me up. This match kind of put me back to sleep. Yeah, this... And this has been a problem with Liv's reign. She's not built as a credible champion. She's somebody who just squeaks out wins as championship defences. Yeah. And you can do that, like, on a month. And, you know, have her be a transitional champion. When it starts getting a bit longer than that, it sort of feels like, oh... You're still champion. Yeah. This match sucked. It went 11. It felt like it went 22. <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah, horrible, horrible match. I would have put the belt on Shayna, but no, we can't do that yet. Uh, we had a tag team match of Edge and Rey Mysterio with Dominic Mysterio defeating the Judgment Day. Are these guys just jobbers? Damien Priest and Finn Balor with Rhea Ripley ringside. Well, we've got another match here where someone, uh, I guess technically not part of the UK, but from that area, loses. <laughs> yes, uh, Finn Balor coming back, losing. Oh, my gosh. Um, Especially because so of what happens after this match. It makes no sense for the Judgment Day to have lost. Mate, the Judgment Day's made no sense since day one. I mean, there was hope for it when it had Edge in it, but now it's just, it's just fucked. It's fucked. I like um, a tweet I seen online before, uh, before um, Clash at the Castle, and it's like by someone, and it's going. What is with people always fucking with the Mysterio children? And it's, oh, what is it with Aussies always fucking with the Mysterio children? And has a screenshot of Buddy and, um, I think it's Aaliyah, Ray's daughter. Yeah. yeah. And a on the other side of the screenshot is Rhea and Dominic. Yeah. Uh, Aussies don't like the Mysterios. No. Oh, gosh. Um, Edge comes to the ring with a mask. I mean, okay, but you're still doing your on this day entrance. Um, sure, whatever. Yeah, I I guess it was a sign of unity. But all I thought was, Lost Conquistadors are back. <laughs> oh yeah, if only. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember. I'm pretty sure that's still in like the um default tag team um tag team entrance on um 2k yeah <laughs> oh man uh, this 
this is a fine tag team match. It goes 12-34. But it's more about the post-match here than the actual match. You know, Edge and Ray get the win. Edge's music's playing. Edge and Ray celebrate. Dominic gets in the ring. You know, Ray's sort of like posing to the crowd. And then Dominic, he splits the upright, clean middle wicket, <laughs> gets Edge. And I love Edge, like he sort of crumples. And as Dominic goes to get his foot out from between Edge's legs, his shoe comes off. And yeah. he does the smart thing. He plays into it, pulls up his other foot, grabs a shoe, throws it down. So now he's barefoot. <laughs> yeah. Ray's just looking at him going, why are you doing this? You know, you know, calm down, calm down. It looks like he's going to hug his father. But it's a swerve, bro. Grabs Ray. Huge clothesline from hell. And we the best <laughs> fucking bit of offense Dominic has ever done. That clothesline looked amazing. We pan the camera over, and Finn is still in the ring, and Damian Priest and Rhea are sort of ringside by the apron, and they're just pissing themselves laughing at this. <laughs> God, I still don't get what is going on here. Yeah, um, why couldn't? Like Dom have cost Edge the match, and yeah. given the Judgment Day a win here, especially you know you're in the UK. Come on. Um. So have you seen the clip going online comparing like, like showing how many different times um, people have turned on Rey Mysterio by doing that exact clothesline. <laughs> Uh, off the top of my head, probably Edge, Batista. So Batista did it. Yep. And then there's a side-by-side clip of Eddie doing it to Ray and Dominic doing it to Ray. And the way Eddie and Dominic do it is identical. <laughs> like father, like son, man. Like father, uh, like your son. Your puppy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, from there, we go to a match where... I thought, huh, Seth's brung up this guy's divorce. Probably going to be a Matt Riddle win then. <laughs> yeah, it, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so we have Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle next. Goes 17-21. And no, Seth Rollins wins. <laughs> yeah. So the Interesting moral of the story result. is you suck and... I was right for calling out your divorce and what? Nah, as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, Extreme Rules is next month. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I immediately thought, oh, they're going to run it back with a gimmick this time. To be fair, though, if Seth lost, man, like, Seth has just lost over and over again for the past year or two. He needed a win. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. It doesn't hurt a building up for a, for a rematch as well. Yeah. I thought the match was great, by the way. Yeah. 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 Really good match. match. Seth's gear yeah. was outrageous. Like the <laughs> devil thing. Fucking unreal. Yeah. He is very much um taking, with his flamboyancy, you sort of think of those characters like a. Adrian Streak, a gorgeous George, a gold dust. And yeah. he's just sort of 
doing this not so much to that um extravagant sort of uh i guess sexualized in a way content he's just being over the top flamboyant because he can be because he has money yeah 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 he's um basically what the young bucks were trying to be when the young bucks were heels he does it but better yeah uh so from there we go to our main event it is uh Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre for the unified WWE Universal title. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who comes out first, but uh, we get Drew's... Um, there's a video package, and it's Broken Dreams, and it's showing like clips of Drew around um, Cardiff Castle. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um... Uh, he posted a clip during the week on Twitter and it was like a vid- music video with Broken Dreams and everyone was speculating, oh, he's going to have Broken Dreams back for Clash at the Castle. And I was like, if there's ever a time for him to keep his current music that has bagpipes and shit in it, it's this weekend. It's the time not to change his music is right now. Uh, he, and he comes out... And he's not wearing the kilt anymore. Uh, yeah. And I was like, of all the fucking times to ditch the kilt, it's in the UK? So I noticed that as well. I'm like, where's the kilt? And you don't have a, la- a live bagpiper in the UK? Yeah, yeah. Like, like it felt very underwhelming. I and the fact that it was kind of underwhelming made me think, oh, shit, he's actually not going to win. Yeah. Um, the match itself, I thought, really good match. Like, there were enough near falls in this where I bit that Drew was going to win. <laughs> yeah, I thought, yeah. oh, my God, they're actually going to do it. They're actually going to have Drew win in the UK. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, anything here you want to touch on, sort of, before I get into the uh, two big spots before the closing stage here? I just thought, yeah, this was um, Drew's best match in a while. Not saying that Agree. he's been bad, but he's a bad, yeah. bad boy. Wait, but... wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Drew looked amazing in this. The crowd, man. The crowd. Oh, just insane. Um, oh, I, I think they they made a mistake with the result here. The more I think about it, and as much as I think our Roman Reigns title reign is it's being kept alive so Cody can beat it, but I think if... If you ever wanted to make Drew McIntyre the guy, which we know that they've wanted to do, this was the time to do it. Fuck the record and all that sort of shit. They should have just pulled the trigger on Drew. Yeah, yeah, you're true. I think they should have at least given the local fans in the stadium the Seamus win. Yes. At least then that's something. 
to see him off happy, you know, you're like, well, you guy had a great main event match and you saw another one of you guys win a title. At the very least, Finn should have won. Yeah. <laughs> At the I'm very gonna... fucking least. So who here is actually from the UK who wrestled? We have Seamus. Finn and Drew. Finn and Drew. Oh. <laughs> what about the free show? No. <laughs> oh, they didn't put the... Moss, Street Profits, Fury, Alpha Academy. No. So, no. yeah. So, uh, going into the closing stages of this main event, we see Austin Fury run down with a ref. Um, just before that, Charles Robinson had been... Um, and Burnley Claymore kicked and uh, fell out of the ring. I believe it was a Claymore. Yeah. Uh, so he's out of the ring. Fury runs down with a, a second ref. He goes to cash in by the timekeeper's area. And uh, I believe it's Titan Fury. Uh, oh, you don't know the hev- the lineal heavyweight champ of the world? Come on, man. Um, getting yeah. the name right, at least. <laughs> yeah, Tyson Fury. Um we we all remember his classic match against Braun Strowman at Crown Jewel in like 2019. Uh, that he won. That he that won. He they had to make him win. To be fair, because he was lineal world champ. Oh no, he was actual world champ at the time. Yeah, but, um, because, because, and also his whole gimmick is that he's never lost. Um. So, yeah. He gets knocked out. Second ref sees that there's a pinning predicament in the ring. Goes in the ring. Uh, goes to count a pin four, but there's a kick out. Then uh, goes to count another four and is dragged out of the ring by a debuting Solo Sokoa. Fuck, I forgot about this part. Shit. Really? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Solo's debut. But, uh, yeah. I mean, if the Usos can't get into the country because of... um. <clears throat> reasons. Um, we'll just ring up their younger brother. Yeah, why not though? Yeah, good. Um, uh, uh, I want, I want Sami Zayn to start getting super jealous of Solo. And what led to a match between the two? Yeah, and I want Solo Sokoa to win the IC belt. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I want all. Solo did it, and you didn't, Sammy. (laughs) Yeah, and then that's what starts the. Sammy starts to see the light, and I'm thinking because Kevin Owens is doing this thing on Raw every week where he's just calling out the bloodline. Yeah, I'm thinking this is gonna eventually, like, way down the road, lead to. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Um, Which would be a banger. Um, but yeah, good debut for Solo. Um, did not see it coming at no, all. Neither did I. Uh, so he's dragged out the second ref, pulls off his uh, black hoodie to reveal it is Solo Sakata, Drew McIntyre. Roman gets back up, uh, lays out Drew, big Superman punch spear, enrolls. Charles Robinson, the original ref, Will Nature, one, two, three, Roman retains. I'm surprised yeah. uh, the crowd by the rampway weren't throwing 
like empty cups at Roman as he was walking back up the ramp. I, I'm surprised. Like I saw like at least four signs in that crowd that says if Drew loses, we riot. <laughs> well, you're yeah, a bunch riding. Yeah, you bunch of cowards. All talk. Um, honestly, if they rioted, it would have been one of the greatest wrestling moments of all time. <laughs> Seriously, it would have been. And it would have been more of a reason as to why Roman should have won that match. Um, but yeah. Oh, uh, I forgot about the post-match here. Yeah, no, I, I really want to talk about this. Oh, God. Um, Go on. Take so I, I, I actually am a bit of a boxing fan. I do follow a little bit. I do follow Tyson Fury a, a fair bit. I know a fair chunk about his background and his history. He's actually quite a fucking inspiring human. Uh, at one point, when he was world heavyweight champion, he weighed, like, what do they say, 370 pounds? He just put on a heap of weight because he was depressed and addicted to drugs and all sorts of stuff. And he had one fight and he just didn't train at all and still fucking won. <laughs> still knocked an undefeated dude out. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the biggest shows he did, I think it was in Wembley Stadium or something. It was in, it was a big stadium in the UK. And you search up, on YouTube, best boxing ring walk ever. And it's Tyson Fury coming out to American Pie, which is cool, <laughs> but it still makes no sense to me. So we end this pay-per-view with two UK dudes in the UK singing about America? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't get it. Um... Like, I describe this in my other wrestling group chat as it feels like they left, they forgot to cut off the pay-per-view feed and they just left on the, like, send the crowd home happy dark segment, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. We've been to hmm. a few uh, house shows, be it local or international, and they do something like that once the uh, main event bell has rung and the champs left. Yeah, uh, I did enjoy Drew's singing um, Oasis. That was cool. <laughs> the, the, it was cool. Um, I was I was certain that we were going to set up for like Tyson Fury versus Drew or something at Saudi Arabia because that's been in the works for a while. Like these two have been beefing on Twitter. So uh, yeah, I forgot about that being a thing. So they I thought, seem pretty oh, chummy here. Yeah, so they can't really do that now. But then um, Tyson Fury, like, this week announced that he wants to fight in December against um, another UK fighter, Anthony Joshua. So, Ooh, Joshua. Yeah, so, which was a weird choice. You know, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world wants to fight the guy that just lost to the world heavyweight, the proper world heavyweight champion. So, anyway, makes no sense. Shit booking by the boxing fed. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the boxing, there's like five or six different 
global federations and and like the titles make no sense i don't understand what the difference is between the lineal heavyweight champ and the world heavyweight champ and the wbc heavyweight champ and the ibf and the std heavyweight champ who knows but um <laughs> yes uh how many beers for yourself good sir for this show like honestly, like as a show, this was pretty close to perfect. Like every match here was good to great. Like oh, Liv and Shane could have been better, but you kind of needed a downer after Sheamus and Gunther. You needed to sort of refresh the crowd. Um, I'd probably give this five beers to be honest. This was a great show. This was a really good show. Um, yeah, I. I agree with you there. Five beers for myself. Really good show. Uh, the, the crowd the, made it. The crowd uh, made this show. The UK crowd always makes any shows. Same as when WWE goes to Toronto, they make those shows. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I, I don't only... know. Oh, I, I don't know if it was a good idea to like not put any UK people over. I'm going to stick with that. Like, that yeah, was that's bad. my line criticism, having no UK people win and like you pointed out there's other UK people you could have brought over and have win so um, many so many they had a, a whole fucking UK brand come on uh, yeah. had had being the optimum word there yeah <laughs> but, but they still they still got most of a roster of UK talent <laughs> so most they l- lost a fair bit but yeah did we talk about NXT Worlds Collide 2022? I watched it. Yeah, I've got bits and pieces of it. I watched it live. Oh, God. What time <laughs> did this air, then? I think it was, like, 7? What day? Monday morning. What day did um, AEW air? Monday morning. So you watched uh, AEW afterwards? Yeah. Yeah, so oh. AEW was at 10. I think NXT was like, it was either 6 or 7. I can't exactly remember. But, yeah, I was up anyway. I was okay. um, I was making some uh, smoked pulled pork for Warwick because he was coming over to watch the pay-per-view. So <laughs> you got to get up early to get the... Smoker going and get the meat ready. Anyway. Um, uh, so this coming to you from the uh, Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. A reported dark match of Charlie Dempsey defeated Bodie Haywood with Andre Chase and Fia Hale. Uh, a second reported dark match of Channing Lorenzo with Tony D'Angelo defeats Ikamanjiro. Right. <laughs> so then kicking off the show proper we see the North American champion Camelo Hayes with Trick Williams defeating Ricochet and um, this was a fun little match fucking hated it <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- this had those fucking Ricochet spots that I hate so there was like an exchange in the ring where these two are like punching each other yeah. and they just both no sell and then they both look at each other. They both run to opposite sides of the ring and spring 
and springboard and it just turns into a double crossbody and they're both out. Like, what the fuck were they trying to do? That's also true, yeah. Yeah, um, it, there was just a lot of those sort of things where they're just doing shit for the sake of doing shit, even if it makes no sense, and I hate that. Following that, saw the unification match of the NXT and the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Uh, that sees... Duh, 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 duh. That sees uh, the Creed brothers, Brutus Creed and Julian Keith Creed with um, Damon Kemp, who are the NXT champions. Uh, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs with Bellin Henley, who are the NXT UK champions. Everyone's For some favorite, reason. <laughs> everyone's favourite team, Gallus. Mark Coffey and Wolfgang with Joe Coffey ringside, who are just challengers. And winning this match, pretty deadly, Elton Prince and Kit Williams with Lash Legend. Uh, yeah, Damon Kemp turned on the Creed brothers. It was all right, I guess. It was the right team won, I think. Um, yeah. br- the Creed brothers came out in these bright orange singlets, and all I thought was, fuck yeah, that... I love it when wrestlers do tribute gear to more famous wrestlers' gears, such as them doing a tribute to Michael Cole's ring attire. <laughs> but, yeah. So stupid. I'm like, isn't Diamond Mine supposed to be, like, blue with white or sky blue highlights? Yeah, yeah. And the fact It'd be that... like Suzuki Gun coming out wearing bright yellow instead of black with white trim. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... But yeah, Damon Kemp turned on the diamond mind. Earlier in the night, it was reported that Roderick Strong got taken out by a mysterious attacker in that dreaded NXT car park. Um, we never so, did find out who attacked Hideo, Hutam- Hideo Itami, other than Kevin Owens walking past going, that's a shame. Yeah. Fuck. Oh man, weren't they the glory di- glory years of NXT though? Love that era. Um, Yeah, so this happened. It's fine, I guess. Pretty deadly. They're a pretty good team. I like them. I like them a lot. Um, The addition of Lash Legend is great. Um, She's not wrestling, so that's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Um, I was really confused as to why fucking... um, Jensen and Briggs were the NXT UK champs, but yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, who who cares? They probably defeat Gallus, but honestly, who cares? Yeah. Uh, the NXT UK and NXT Women's Championship Triple Threat Unification match that sees Mako Satamora, the UK champion, Blair Davenport, the challenger, and Mandy Rose, the NXT American champion, and this goes 13-18 and sees Mandy Rose retain to unify both titles. Yep. What? NXT UK legend Mandy Rose. Um, <laughs> I thought this was the time for Blair. You know, something fresh. Mako's had a long run in the UK. Mandy's had a really long run in NXT America. 
Yeah. Let's do something fresh here. You've just shown that with the uh, the tag team division. Yeah. Stay in the course. Yeah. Because uh, honestly, I think Toxic Attraction as an act is ready to get called up to say SmackDown. Don't put them on Raw because you got damage control there. It's a little too similar. Yeah, but, that's um, what I was thinking too. Especially after that um that tag team tournament on the main roster that Toxic Attraction won, but then was injured. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I, I don't see who they have ready for to beat Mandy Rose now. They just yeah. don't. They don't have anyone building. Um, it feels like they just don't care about that women's division at all anymore. Uh, uh, we had the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship that saw Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H lose to Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Yeah. Um, it was the match that went 10 minutes. Yeah, it was fine, I guess. They're building tension with Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H. for some reason, even though these two started off feuding together, so now they're going to break them up and feud against each other again. But, yeah, sure, why not? And your main event that saw Ron Breaker, the NXT American champion, first Tyler Bright, the NXT UK champion, in a unification match that sees Ron Breaker win. I mean, shocking result, Alex? Uh, great match. I thought this match was fantastic. Yep. Uh, the result, definitely not shocking. Um, <laughs> there was... Tyler Bate had an awesome entrance where just before he comes out, they show him in this like dark room and he's walking past like footage of like every other UK champion and every other like he's walking past and there's like a there's footage of like him winning the title for the first time and then he keeps walking down this dark room and there's Pete Dunne winning the belt and like, really paying respect to everyone that had previously held that belt. It was yep. fucking such a cool little entrance there. Um, Tyler Bate, like, it feels like he's he disappeared off the planet for the last two, three years. Yes, but, and then popped back up. Yeah, and, and just randomly popped back up for this. Like, he has been wrestling just, you know... If a great wrestler wrestles in the woods and no one's there to watch it, <laughs> does it really happen? And that's what NXT UK has been. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's still so good, man. He's so great. The crowd was so into it. Yeah, this was this was good. Now, do you know how many times the NXT UK Championship changed hands in the UK? Once? So, other than the inaugural winner, which is Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne won it in uh, Rosemont, Chicago. Walter yep. won it at TakeOver New York. Ilya Dragunov won it at a um, show in Florida. Tyler Bate won it uh, in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> and then Braun Breaker was the uh, latest winner. 
Yep, so once. Once. But that's only because Dragunov had to vacate it and Tyler Bate won against Trent Seven on the uh, NXT TV show. Yeah. don't even know if that one's aired yet. <laughs> Remember when he turned up and the show hadn't aired? Oh, that yeah. aired this week. That aired on the first. Oh, fuck <laughs> me. Oh, fuck. Good work, NXT UK. Fucking muppets. Uh, yeah. How many beers for uh, Worlds Collide? So there was a promo that I forgot to mention um, with Grayson Waller at some point in this show where they talked about the backstage interview was like, oh, so uh, you cheated Apollo Crews to win that match last week, blah, blah, blah. You, You poked him in the eye. The doctors say that he has a scratch cornea now in his eye. And Grayson Muller goes, yeah, I I was on the phone with my mum and I've got something to say because she's just not happy with me about it. Mum, you called me up. You said I was a dis- I was a disappointment to the family for winning like that. And mum, Shez, uh, I just got to say, you can kiss my ass. I don't give a crap. And him just telling his mum to kiss his ass in a promo was probably my highlight of the night. It was so well delivered. Uh, <laughs> it was so good. Um, the show itself, maybe three beers. It was, it was all right. There were highlights, but uh. this to me, because of how rushed it is. And if you are someone who's watching NXT UK TV, this week, Blair Davenport becomes number one contender, even though for the past month on NXT American TV, she's been talking up how she's the uncrowned champion. You have Tyler Bate win the vacated uh, championship against Trent Seven, who's been released, and Tyler Bate's been in the American TV for the past month. Just... This whole thing to me felt like when GCW invaded and they merged their titles with Impact. It's like, does anyone really care about all these title unifications? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, the show was fine. Yeah. I'd say I'm just looking back through it now of what I'd actually recommend checking out. Not the main event. The main event, and if you want to check out, you know, a half-decent women's match, check out the women's triple threat. Some people would be into the North American title match. It's not for me, but yeah. Yeah, it, I'd it, say... It's a highlight reel. And that's being generous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, looking at the cage match here, uh, Clash of the Castle got an 8.27 from uh, voters, and World's Clyde got a 6.27. Eight six, yeah. Uh, we go over to All Out. The last event we'll be discussing of the weekend uh, coming to you from Chicago, Illinois, uh, the Now Arena. Oh boy, <laughs> a lot to say about this show, but uh, even more to say about the post matches. We'll get there. Uh, Alex had messaged me, and he normally doesn't um, message me like when the pay per views are on because he knows. I'm at work when the pay-per-views are on. 
I'll uh, just bring up what he said here. And he said, um, da, 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 da. um, I need you to watch the all out post media show scrum, particularly the first 20 minutes or so, uh, with the first wrestler that comes out and the last 10 minutes just when Tony is taking questions. A lot of noteworthy stuff from the media scrum, most insane media scrum I've ever seen. So uh, that's a little teaser there as we'll get to uh, get to shortly. But I suppose we should uh, kick things off with uh, the buy-in. Oh, I'm sorry, the zero hour, because now we're taking over Ring of Honor branding. Yeah, I guess. I mean, do you like it? Do you hate it? I'm indifferent. My problem was, so I was on like the app on my TV searching up the buy-in <laughs> and like nothing popped up. So it took me a while to actually find the pre-show because it was called zero hour. But um, yeah. yeah, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. Whatevs. Yeah. I, I, I would have rather keep Ring of Honor and AW branding separate, but I mean, do have enough Ring of Honor champions on AEW Weekly, so eh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so we'll kick things off here with the mixed tag team match for the AAA World Mixed Tag Team Championship that sees Jericho Appreciation Society members Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello defeat Ortiz and Ruby Soho uh, in six minutes by pinfall. At one point, Ruby's nose is broken, I believe. Um, did you happen to catch how that happened? I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but there was a spot where Sammy had Ruby on her shoulders and practically dropped her on her head. Yeah, I saw that, and that's where I assumed that sort of took place. She either landed on her neck or her face. It wasn't a a nice-looking landing. No, and Sammy's getting, like, crucified on Twitter. He might be the... Well, before this weekend... He might be the most hated man in AEW by the Twitterverse, <laughs> anyway. Oh yeah, well, uh, we'll get there shortly. I'm guessing anyone who's uh, stayed off the uh, Twitter or uh, wrestling news outlets for the past few days probably wondering what we're talking about. But believe me, we'll get there. <laughs> the second match of the night saw Hook defending the FTW Championship against Angelo Parker, who had Matt Bernard ringside. Uh, Hook winning by submission here. Good, good about four minute match here for for Hook. Good showing. It was what it needed to be. Yep, absolutely. Uh, third match on the pre-show, the All Atlantic Championship that sees Puck, the champion, defending against Kip Sabian in his new persona. Overrated and was it underrated and over it? Yeah. Uh, so this was a hell of a match. And yeah. uh, by by this point, I'm thinking, you know, your first two pre-show matches are an appetizer. Now we're going to get into the actual good stuff. And Kip has been out for, what, over, an, over a year, they were saying? Yeah. Guy looked amazing in this match. So no, good. No so signs good. of ring rust. Yeah. And, you know, no one else gets involved. And, uh, Kip unfortunately loses here. Puck gets a win. Pack goes back up the rampway. Goes to do an interview with Shivani. Out comes Orange Cassidy. And Pack just goes, 
no, I'm done with you, <laughs> walks off. Yeah. And cuts back to the ring. And Kip is having a moment that I can only describe as Al Snow-esque, where he's losing it to the box that he wore as a mask. Yeah. I don't hate it. <laughs> nah, I love, I love it. Um, what does everybody want? Box. Um, yeah, <laughs> it kind of works in the same way if you think about it. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, and cancelled. <laughs> oh, he, um, he just gave him his box. <laughs> oh, what's the old uh, the cricketer doing? Somebody should ring him up from AWF. <laughs> Yeah, where's the captain? Um, oh. Yeah, uh, th- this match were exceeded all expectations just because I never really thought that highly of Kip Sabian, but yeah, he was great here. Obviously, Pac is a fantastic wrestler whenever he decides to wrestle. So yeah. yeah, my only problem is you've left the championship on a guy who can't work all that much in the state because of his visa issues. Tony, fix his fucking visa issues, would you, mate? Yeah, yeah. And there was talk before the pandemic that Pac was looking to move to the United States. What happened to that? Like, come on, hurry up and get here. Or get Uh, there. So your main event of the pre-show, and I'm thinking, you know what? We've seen what um Walter and Seamus have done. I'm sorry, Gumper and Seamus have done. Let's see what Eddie Kingston and Tamahiro Ishii will do. Tamahiro Ishii, a student of Anoki. Eddie Kingston, a very devout follower of um the All Japan philosophy of Big Bubba. Yeah. Fuck, this was such a great match. And it is just pretty much the first five minutes of them just exchanging chops to one another's chest. Yeah, it, this was great. This was so good. Um, Just two, just two dads just getting into it at, at a pub or something. This is what it was. It was so great. I um, love this match. Yeah, this was... And I'm just thinking... Is every match going to be like this? Is every match going to sort of, you know, be good? And you know what I was thinking? You know what? Eddie's going to be the same Eddie. He's going to be the bridesmaid, never the bride. You know, have a good showing, but not get the win. And he beats Ishii, bringing their overall record to one apiece. Ishii winning in a New Japan of America show. Kingston winning here in the AEW. Do you think... Kingston gets his, um, oh, what is it? Wrestle Kingdom match against Ishii. Maybe against Ishii. I, I think, I think Kingston will be at Wrestle Kingdom for sure. There's no way he's not like trying to pull any string he can grab a hold of to try to make that happen. There's no way he's not doing that. Um, whether it's against Ishii or someone else, yeah. It should happen. Yeah. Um, overall, pre-show I thought was really, really good. Um, from there, we switch over to the pay-per-view proper. And I'd made note of this during the night. Excalibur says, and I quote, every championship is on the line tonight. 
Yeah. Um, so I was watching this with Warwick and another friend of mine who watches wrestling, Harry, and yeah, we took note of the exact same thing that you're about to bring up. FTW title, more important than TNT title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, man. Um, we'll get there in a moment, but uh, kicking off the pay-per-view proper, we saw the casino ladder match where the winner receives a future AEW World Championship match. So we see Claudio Casanoli, Willa Yuta, Pentel Zeromedo, Ray Phoenix, Rush, Andrade El Idolo, Dante Martin. All these participants were announced uh, on Dynamite earlier in the week. Along with Out Comes Last, the Joker. But before the Joker makes his entrance, out comes a bunch of masked men. One climbs the ladder, grabs the poker chip. Everyone else is laid out ringside. The one who grabs the poker chip removes his mask to reveal it's Stokely Hathaway. And then all the ones in the ring, one by one, remove their mask. It's Ethan Page and Lee Moriarty and Colton Gunn and Austin Gunn and W. Morrissey. Yeah, we forgot to touch on that from Dynamite. W. Morrissey showed up on Dynamite, left with Stokely Hathaway, uh, and then it was killed announced. Killed the wingman. Yeah, yeah, killed the wingman, and um, it was announced that W. Morrissey is now all elite, I guess. Um, I think that's a good pickup, to be honest. He brings yeah, something different. I did different. notice a few of the crowd were chanting, we want Enzo. And then more of the crowd was chanting, no, we don't. <laughs> See, <laughs> on every, time, every time Enzo is brought up, I, I have this exact same reaction. What did he do? <laughs> it was proven that he didn't do anything. Stop cancel. Stop treating Enzo like he's cancelled when he isn't. <laughs> he literally did nothing. All he had was false allegations against him. It was proven to be false in the court of law. And people were like, oh, yes. But how do we know that they actually were false? It was fucking proven in court. Come on. Yeah. Uh, So that was uh, chanted on Dynamite. Yeah. I'm just saying Enzo deserves another chance at a major company. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah. Did you ever go back and watch that uh, Impact World's Colo- oh, whatever it's called, War of the World show, whatever it was. I saw uh, bits of it, yeah. Did you see the Anita 10-man dream tag team match? Uh, refresh me off the top of, top of your head. Enzo makes an appearance on that show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't to watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so, yeah. Stokely's in the ring, he pulls down the poker chip, and then all of a sudden, music plays. And Alex has a very good musical ear to know instantly what this is. Yeah, this as soon as the drums started, I yelled out to Warwick and Harry, I said, how the fuck do they have the money to pay for a Rolling Stones song? <laughs> because, like, like, if they were saying for ages, like, oh, they couldn't afford to get the final countdown... There's no way fucking Europe 
the final countdowns more expensive than getting sympathy for the devil from the Rolling Stones. Right? Somehow, no. Yeah, Uh, so... Just to quickly touch on the press conference, Jericho did bring this up from what I took Yeah, he did. And said, we contacted Motley Crue, we contacted ACDC, Motley Crue wanted over a million. And ACDC never got back to us. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose they're still rolling in that Vince money. Yeah. Smackdown. Well, they're not ready for an elite time, I guess. But, um... but uh, yes, the joke comes out Sympathy for the Devil. He is masked. He's wearing a, uh, I guess, a silver skull mask. It had horns on it like a devil as well. Um, for anyone that played, like, the Spider-Man PS4 game, he looked like one of those guys from, um, that you used to fight in the streets as Spider-Man from that game. Like, they'd all have, like, these sort of Japanese, like, devil masks. He looked like one of those guys. So he comes down, he grabs a chip from Stokely. Stokely shouts to the timekeeper, ring the bell. So he does. Roberts stands up and grabs the mic and goes, the winner of this match, the Joker? <laughs> exactly yeah. like that, just puzzled. <laughs> so um, I pointed this out in a in a group chat uh, later on that night after re-watching this. Because, like, re-watch... Like, after what we find out about this later on, I was like, oh, I'll re-watch it and see if... Because AEW does little details very well. After the Joker, like, pretends to that he's going to unmask and then does the no, 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 not today thing with his hand and then rolls yeah. out of the ring, they played the song again, but they don't start from the very start of the first verse. They sort of start from, like, the second verse. And they start the song again, and it's exactly with the lyrics... Pleased to meet you. Hope you guessed my name. But what's puzzling you is the nature of my game. Like a massive wink and the nod to being like, hmm, have you figured out who I am yet? Do you know why I'm doing this? It's fucking, like, whether that's intentional or not, I feel like it would be intentional because they started from a random verse, not like the first verse. So, yeah, I thought that was a good little touch. I like how you immediately brought up, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? (laughs) I mean, we did have impact on this show. So, um, how long did it take you to figure out who this was? I think if I had been on Twitter live, I would have been able to sort of process of elimination, look at the AEW roster and go, hmm, who is this? But because I'm watching on delay at like, I was watching this yesterday day and um, yeah, yeah, it took me until most of the show to figure it out. But also I'd forgotten about it with each uh, sequential following match and just go, oh, that match was really good. Oh, this match is really good. What's next? So it was like halfway during the next match. It's like I wasn't even looking at my phone at the time. It just clicked to me. 
oh, fuck, it's this person. And I was right, obviously. <laughs> but at first, uh, so the the Joker gets in the ring and he does that weird, like, sort of John Moxley sort of thing with his body, where he sort of, like, rolls his shoulders around and stuff and yeah. sort of, like, does a twirl and stuff. And I was like, I haven't seen someone pretend to be Moxley since. What iconic moment? Matt Cardona showing up in GCW. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, it's Broski! Shit! It's Broski! I was like so... I was so hyped. I was like, fuck, they're gonna give Matt Cardona a world title shot! He just returned from injury! Fuck yeah! But, but then I thought about it more and I... Like, I saw him standing next to Stokely and I was like, oh, Matt Cardona would be a bit, a fair bit more taller than Stokely than this guy is. But I've yeah. One or two people, like, after I seen the whole event, go back and, like, look at different Facebook groups and somebody said, that's got to be Enzo because W. Morrissey's there. And this is like going back through the timeline, so they've said this obviously live when it happened. Yeah. I um, mean, uh, you know, I saw shoot so- your shot with uh, DraftKings, maybe you'll be right. I saw someone on Twitter tweet that they thought it might have been The Fiend, and The Fiend's actually lost a lot of weight. I mean, possible. We saw what happened with Gunther. Like, I mean, yeah, sure, why not? But no. Um, I jokingly said to Warwick and Harry that it's obviously Ric Flair um, coming for one more world title. (laughs) But honestly, um, I I went outside after this match and I had a bit of a think about it. I was um, getting the smoked mates ready and all that. And I was like, hang on. Didn't a certain particular person used to be managed by Stokely Hathaway when he first started on the independence. Hang on. Yeah, it has to be this guy. And yeah, it was. So yeah, I I randomly remembered that Stokely Hathaway used to manage this dude. Uh, Following that, we get the World Trios final uh, to crown the inaugural champions. So it sees the Elite, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, with Brennan Cutler and Michael Maxwell ringside, Don Callis joins commentary, versus Hangman Adam Page and Dark Order members, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, and the Elite win by a pinfall. Um, to me, this is a hell of a match, but I thought you should be putting this on the Dark Order. And Hangman. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with the result. Um, like, I wanted the Dark Order to win, but the story they're telling, um, I, I can see the Dark Order turning on Hangman now because Hangman accidentally hit John Silver with the buckshot. Yeah, um, that's a good point too. This is a great match. Good match. Um... Yeah, congrats to the elite. I hope uh, after they won these belts, they got to have a nice, relaxing evening and nothing bad happened. Yeah. 
Oh, um, boy. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens for the rest of the evening as we dive into this. But yeah. yeah. Um, oh boy. Uh, they had so, a big night. <laughs> they did. Seventh match of the night seeds Jay Cargill, the champion, with Kira Hogan and Layla Gray defeat Athena by pinfall to retain the AWTBS championship in 420. Blaze it. Um, <laughs> uh, really yeah. Um, Jade. Yeah, no, this Probably is her, good. This, yeah, her this most is credible best. challenger in a long yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Notice that Madison Rain hasn't been anywhere near TV since that Jade match. Nah, she was. Well, they said they brought her in as a coach. Oh, that's why she was signed. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought she was signed, signed. Yeah, so I think, like, they brought her in as a coach and they also brought her in to put over people that need, like, a experienced person to put them over. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, that yeah, Jade match. Just but, um, um, keep Madison Rain away from the fucking commentary table if there's anything we learned from Impact. True. Um, this was a good match, and of course, Jade goes to thirty-seven and O. And who's next for Jade? Yeah, I guess you got to do like Statlander. Um, when she comes back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um. Yeah. There, there's a. There, there are a couple options. I guess there needs. I feel like. They don't have anyone ready to beat her yet. No, no, not at all, unless you are going to put Kira Hogan or Layla Gray yeah. in that sort of position. Yeah, I would love, like, a Layla Hirsch to beat Jade Cargill when Layla Hirsch comes back. Yeah, that'd be true too. You'd have to build her up for a bit, but yeah. Like the smaller sort of wrestler to beat Jade, that that'd be a great story to tell. Um, yeah, yeah, this is Jade's best match. Um, Athena's such a ring general in there. Sometimes when she's motivated, and she was clearly motivated for this. So yeah, this is a good match. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, from there, we see Warlow and FTR. Uh, Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood defeat Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, who have with them Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt. So uh, Lethal and the Guns come out first, and Satnam takes off his. Oh uh, no, yeah, Satnam and Sanjay take off their jackets, and Sanjay puts on a T-shirt that says "Fight like an eight-year-old brat." <laughs> so then out come FTR and Cash. Has his um, no, it's Dax. Dax has his. See, I still get mixed up. Dax has his daughter there. Yeah. And she's got a t-shirt on that says "Fight like an eight-year-old girl," and they yeah. come down the ringside. And there's a fan in the um crowd that says it's my eighth birthday today. And I notice Dax jumps off the apron like just as they're about to finish their entrance, run over and gives her a high five and runs back. Yeah. So this this match was exactly what it needed to be. Uh, Wardlow sort of 
facing off against Jay Lee for most of the time. The guns have a brief interaction with the mission, um, with FTR, but sort of wet the appetite. But um, it's yeah. basically just Wardlow and FTR just beat the crap out of Jay Lee for one, two, three. They win. A uh, bit of a showdown post match, but uh, who comes out to a uh, level the playing field, Alex? Oh, Joey Samoe. <laughs> yes. Joe, Joe, Joe. Joe comes out. He hits Satnam Singh with the Ring of Honor TV title. And in the back of frame of the camera, the guns are there. They see Joe. They want no part of Joe. They hightail it up the ramp and leave. Yeah. I love that. They're just like, no, we, ain't, we don't want any part of Joe. You're on your own for this. Uh, this is where um, uh, Warwick made probably my favourite statement of the entire day watching this pay-per-view. Satnam Singh is that dangerous in the ring. He somehow busts up his opponent whilst taking a shot to the head from a belt. Because I don't know what happened, but Samoa Joe hit Satnam Singh in the head with the title. And Samoa Joe was bleeding out of the head from it. <laughs> yep. Uh, so they get Sanjay Dutt. They roll Sanjay down the ring. At this point, uh, Cash's, no, Dax's daughter Finley comes out. Uh, she gets in the ring. <laughs> Joe, I believe it is, hands her the pencil. She snaps the pencil in half. One of them lays out Sanjay. Finley puts her foot on Sanjay, um, on Sanjay and a ref rolls in to count the pinfall. Yeah. Yeah, good shit. Yeah. It, it, it's what it needed to be. It was a fun match. From Considering there, the story of the match, like, yeah, you needed his daughter to come out and do something. Yeah. Uh, from there, we see Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks in a singles match where Team Taz explodes. And <laughs> Taz is on commentary talking up like how when he formed Team Taz, he was looking for something that each guy had. And he said, when we were at our peak, everyone had that. We had Hook, we had Powerhouse Hobbs, we had Ricky Starks, we had Brian Cage. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember Brian Cage. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so this is exactly what you called. He said, Hobbs will probably win attack and Ricky's next and uh, maybe set up a following match. So, yeah, Hobbs gets a quick win here. I tell you, I'm a good booker. <laughs> yes, indeed. From there, we see match number 10 of the evening. This going for the uh, AEW World Tag Team Championship that sees Swerve in our glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, the champions, versing the acclaim Anthony Barnes and Max Caster with Billy Gunn ringside. The crowd is the third man here for the acclaimed. Yeah. Chance of, oh, scissor me daddy, <laughs> instead of bask in his glory. And then whose house was replied with daddy's house. <laughs> Dude, so that was stupid. so good. <laughs> but it's so good. Yeah, so good. Uh, there is just yet yeah, so many chants here. The crowd seems to get under the skin of Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Uh, 
the acclaim. I believe it's um Bowens who injures his knee during this match, and he's sort of playing up to it a lot that he's sort of limping and hopping and sort of can't get there as quick to hit the moves as impactful. Uh, anything you really want to touch on before sort of the closing stage here? There's not much I can say about this match that really like illustrates how highly I think of this match. Um, this was the acclaims coming out party as bell to bell wrestlers because they brought it. They were incredible. Swerve and Keith Lee, we all know they're great. Um, and the crowd, yeah, they really made this match. Um, yeah, let's get into the finish. So there's a bit of miscommunication between Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Acclaim get a very, very near pinfall. One, two, 2.99 kick out. And the crowd begins to chant, that was free, followed by bullshit. <laughs> there was about, towards the end there, there was about two or three times that I bought a near fall. Yeah. You know the one that I'm talking about, though, that was so close, it could have been free. And that's the one where I really brought it, and that's the one where the crowd's just going, nah, that's bullshit. (laughs) And the commentary's done the right thing. So, no, the ref's in position. He's in the right position there and caught it straight down the middle. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, then we get to there. uh, I believe it's... um, Caster on the out, uh, no, it's Bowens on the outside. Billy Gunn sort of looking after him. Caster gets hit by both guys. Keith Lee makes the pin, I believe, if I've got this right in my head. I am a bit fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one, two, Billy Gunn tries to slide in to break it up, but can't make it in time. Three, and Swerve in our glory retain. And the crowd sort of booed this. They booed the shit out of it. They didn't sort of boo it. They <laughs> hated that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the crowd, if there was any time to call an audible in AEW history, this was it. Yeah, I mean, so in, in the um, press conference afterwards, not part of the major stuff we'll talk about, they brought on <laughs> Swerve and Keith Lee. And take. Tony Khan basically announced that a Grand Slam, they're going to do a rematch with the acclaimed and swerve in our glory. So that'll be in New York, the acclaimed's hometown. Come on. Yeah, yeah, he did mention all that now that you think of it. Because they were saying, oh, you know, it was pretty close, like some of the journalists were asking. He's like, yeah. you know what? They, have, they are the most winningest tag team. You guys are defending champs. It was a very good match. I'd be stupid not to rebook that. <laughs> yeah, I love Swerve fucking hated that idea. He's like, no, we've already beat them. Why do we yeah, have to yeah. beat them again? <laughs> uh, from there. And the women here were thrown under the bus. This was oh, a good yeah. women's match. But yeah. to go next after that match where the crowd was so high and then just so disappointed. To be fair, though, was there any way of predicting that the crowd would be that hot for that tag match? I mean, me and you probably thought that. Uh, Like, I thought they should be, but I didn't think 
they claimed would be that over in Chicago, like to the extent that they were. Like there, there was no way of predicting like the crowd going that nuts for them. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose the thing to point out too is anything that was put after this would have been thrown under the bus. Yeah. Regardless of what it was. The only thing I would have put here to maybe save it would have been the Christian Cage Jungle Boy match, but then you run the risk of building double negativity for whatever follows afterwards. Honestly, um, I would have opened the show with that, with the acclaimed versus Swerve and Our Glory, and then followed it up with the casino ladder match, just because the finish at the time felt so flat to that ladder match. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so yeah, all credit to the women. They had an amazing match. So it is the four-way match for the interim AEW World uh, Women's World Championship. Let's see, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD with Rebel. We see Jamie Hayter come out on her own as well. New ring gear, all white silver look. Hikaru Shida, who is a, a champion in Japan. I don't have that list in front of me. Did you happen to catch which promotion? Uh, I can't I can't remember the exact promotion, but I remember it being extremely wordy. <laughs> yes. And uh, Australia's own, Tony Storm. And this match, I love the start of it because Tony and Hikaru are in like, as you're looking at the hard cam, they're in the two bottom corners and Britt and Jamie are in the two top corners and Britt and Jamie just sort of look at each other reach out, fist bump, and then both charge to Tony and Hikaru. Yeah. So it shows them, even though they're like um, friends, they're working together outside of it. Yeah. And Like, they team up on Tony, they team up on Hikaru, they throw her up the rampway, they leave her out there, and Jamie <laughs> puts her face in the camera making fun of the ref. The ref's saying, come on, that's enough, stop it. Oh, stop it, stop it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, they go back to the ring they're sort of double teaming on Tony at one point Jamie's sort of laid out Tony goes for the pinfall and Britt sort of breaks it up and this is where we sort of see the fracturing of their friendship <laughs> and yeah, they're sort of uh, then arguing Hikari comes back from backstage with two kendo sticks and just begins whacking everyone. She hits Jamie. She hits Britt. Jamie sort of rolls out. So then she hits Britt with two. Uh, so we go to the closing stage here. And Tony hits like, um, oh, what's she call it? Storm Zero? Strong Zero? Storm Break? Oh, strong Z- Storm Zero or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what she calls it now. Yeah. One, two, three. Tony Storm is your interim AEW world champion. She also she also said some really interesting things in that press conference afterwards. Yeah. There was one particular line where she said, Thunder Rosa says she's injured. And the rumor has been out there that Thunder Rosa may have... Um, done a Shawn Michaels with this particular injury. 
where she might have pretended to be injured so she didn't have to put over someone, something Shawn Michaels used to do all the time. Um, if that room is true, well, Tony Storm really fed the wrestling media a lot of um, ammunition to believe it's real. Yep. But nonetheless, we got an Aussie champ in AEW. How fucking good. Yeah. I mean, last year, on our likely, unlikely, we are talking, do you think two Aussies will get signed to AEW? <laughs> Not only do we have two signed, we've had a fair few come over for working agreements this year, Aussie yeah. Open. Um, and we've had one now become champion. Yeah, I honestly didn't think when we were doing those predictions, did not think that we were going to have an Aussie AEW champ in any of the divisions. I didn't think it would be possible yet. But yeah, this is um, this is unreal. It's great, Tony Storm finally getting the respect that she deserves. Um, yeah, just need Thunder Rosa to hurry up and come back. So. Tony Storm can beat her for that as well, so we can get rid of that pesky interim word. Yeah. Or as Moxley said it, I'm the legit world champion. Fuck you and your interim. Following that, we see the match of Christian Cage uh, defeating Jungle Boy Jack Perry because Jungle Boy comes out, he does his entrance, and he's sort of standing there waiting for Luchasaurus to join him. Luchasaurus comes out the other tunnel, Alex. The Naughty Boy Tunnel. <laughs> and Naughty he attacked, Boy Tunnel. <laughs> Jack Perry, big choke slam onto the uh, the pyro grid. And I'm not sure that was the wisest move because as he's carrying Jungle Boy to the ring, instant fucking welts on his back. Yeah, this was a pretty much foregone conclusion. Christian he hits a spear, doesn't do the job, so he hits a kill switch, which gets the win. <laughs> I like. I'm not sure if that's uh, supposed to be a little dig at Christian that the spear doesn't always get the win, or that the kill switch is better. But <laughs> that's why yeah, I took from a it. dig at Edge. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. Um. Yeah. This. Thank God they did this, because this made Luchasaurus turning his back on Christian make more sense now. Because at the time it was like, oh, he turned on Christian to join back up with Jungle Boy after only being with Christian for a couple of weeks. Like, this feels like it makes no sense. Now it makes all the fucking sense in the world. It's great. he never changed his mask back. It was always the black mask. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this match only goes 20 seconds, but it was exactly what it needed to be. Uh, I may have called yeah. this too. I didn't call exactly this, but I did think Christian was going to have a good shot of winning. Yeah. Uh, following that, sees match number 13 of the evening. Jeez, were you getting sleepy by this point? Dude, yeah, I was wrecked. I was wrecked by this point. So we see Brian Danielson versus... Lionheart, Chris Jericho. And at the start, they started to play Judas, and I'm like, oh, he's not going to use his um 
Lionheart music this week, and then after a little bit, it then kicks into his Lionheart music. Yeah, that that was a nice little touch, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, Brian Danielson coming out performed live with his theme song with that guy Elliot something rather. Anyway, Elliot yeah, something like that. Anyway, yeah. I, I I said to the boys like. Does Brian Danielson's theme song feel like his missus picked the song for him? Because there's no way that Brian Danielson listens to this sort of music. I don't know. He is pretty new age, hippie-looking kind of like, vegan guy. But this is like a, a heavily sort of auto-tuned sort of like modern hip-hop sort of pop song. Like lyrically, and it—he seems like the sort of guy. And like Warwick and I were talking about this. Like, he listen—he would definitely listen to like Angus and Julia Stone, Mumford and Sons. Uh, he would listen to like if John Butler was made it over to the U.S., he would love John Butler. He would love Xavier Rudd. <laughs> like, why are you listing off all these bands? I like. Yeah, no, I, I like him too, but it, they seem like more so the sort of music Brian Danielson would be into rather than whatever this auto-tune pile of mess is. But yeah. Um, hmm, let's see, John Butler's songs Daniel Bryan could come out to. Zebra? Yeah. Da, 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 da. You're gonna get your fucking head kicked in. Oh, goodness. Um, I thought this was a really great match. It goes 23-40, and surprisingly, Jericho wins by pinfall. Yeah, yeah, that caught me off guard, but Jericho hasn't had a good win in a while. And also, he did back Aubrey into the corner and then hit the low blow behind Aubrey's back, which is how he set up for the pinfall. And in, like... The camera cuts after the pinfall. Garcia is still looking at the monitor, sort of dejected, and the rest of the JAS comes out on the ramp to celebrate with him. Yeah, it feels like they're building Jericho up for something. And I think they're building up Jericho to put over Daniel Garcia. At um, Grand Slam? Maybe at Grand Slam. Because like... Garcia has that match this week against um, Yuta for the Ring of Honor Pure title, and Jericho said, look, you weren't in my corner tonight. So this week on Dynamite, the JAS isn't going to be in your corner. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, still teasing the tension there. Uh, following that, the co-main event of the evening, the Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro versus House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Australia Zone. Buddy Matthews with Julia Hart. Second Aussie on the show. So good, man. Two Aussies on the pay-per-view. One winning a title. One co-main eventing. What the hell is this year? Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Um, uh, it, just, um, they were wearing, like, bright green, the House of Black. Like yeah, it was black, black and green trim, but it was yeah, fluoro green. Yeah, it just 
didn't fit, did it? <laughs> I mean, I get the aesthetic you're going for is like that um occult sort of um imagery. Right. Yes, right. Your bright greens, your um, your dark reds, like your waxy red-looking colours to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ascend, accent, uh, highlight, whatever. On the accents, uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. On the um, the uh, tights and whatnot. This though, there was too much of it and sort of stood out for the wrong reasons. Yeah. But I guess who else in AEW uses? black and um, bright green now that um, TH2 is no longer a thing. Yeah, I, I guess no one. Yeah, so might as well have... And this is like one of the few times they've all had matching gear colour. Yeah. So why not? I mean, I don't hate it, but I also don't like it. Yeah. Uh, um. I, there's a bit we need to talk about post-match for this, but we should probably get into the result. Yeah, so Darby, Sting, and Miro end up defeating House of Black. Uh, Julia Hart, to my recollection, doesn't play that big of a part in this match. I thought for sure Lana was going to come out and get rid of Julia Hart. Especially when Miro was on the outside walking around, he walks past Julia Hart, and Julia Hart's just standing there looking at him, and I'm like, is she going to run and attack at him after he said, the only woman who can touch me is my wife? Mm. And I thought, oh, that's what they're going to do. And they're going to have Lana come out and sort of even the playing field there. But no, no, still no appearance from uh, Lana or the former Lana. Yeah, I but don't I, know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> um, I mean, Miro's pretty good on promos on his own now, so. Yeah. Yeah, Don't he doesn't really, really need, need her. No. no. Um, yeah, anything of note during the match that you want to touch on before you mention your post-match bit? Yeah, uh, this was a this was probably the least like highlight reel of Sting's in-ring matches, but um, I thought this was pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, I agree too. I thought, yeah, it was a it's a pretty good um six man tag team match. It's good showing off. I mean, it's sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Showing off so many trios match on a night when you are crowning trios tournament uh, winners for your bait, uh, for your new titles. It's like, yeah, well, we're putting a highlight on this trios division, but we're also overshadowing the creation of these titles in the final. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if, like, to me, if I was going to have multiple trios matches on the card, I would have put the trios final further down on the card. Also, should be noted that Kenny shouted into the camera, hey, don't you back up. You boys in the back, try to fucking follow that. I think a number of them did better. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They they heard him, and they did. Um, yeah, I don't think that trio's match was match of the night or anything. 
So we'll certainly get to our match of the nights uh, in a moment. Uh, so the post-match you wanted to touch on with House of Black? So I thought it was a bit strange that House of Black didn't get the win here, especially when there was a easy way out to explain that Miro and Darby and Sting just don't have the chemistry as a team. But uh, a rumour came out over the weekend that Malachi's leaving AEW. Did yeah, you see also, this? I saw that and I saw Bobby Fish apparently was leaving. Yeah, good riddance. Um, hey, uh, how are we supposed to have the elite explode now that Kenny's back but Cole and O'Reilly are injured? Get someone else from, like, 2010 Ring of Honor. Roderick Strong, come on down. Yeah. Well, that would be the best three out of the four undisputed uh, undisputed era guys, yeah. Um, right. I'm not a big Bobby Fish guy, all right? Uh, but... Did you say Bobby Fish isn't a big guy? Well, he definitely isn't. And I will say he's definitely not young either. Um, I look forward to him showing up and control your narrative. Um, That's still a thing. It probably isn't anymore, considering Triple H has decided, oh, I'm going to poach all of control your narratives, roster. <laughs> roster. Yeah, yeah, he does have a few. Yeah, um, um, but... So crowd footage came out from after the match, and this wasn't shown on the pay-per-view. After the match, uh, they House of Black walk up the ramp, and basically Malachi Black uh, gets left alone on the ramp by Buddy and Brody, and he just takes a bit of a bow and blows a kiss to the crowd and then waves. Mm. Interesting. We know how much Triple H loved Malachi or Alistair. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he heads off. Um, I suppose that's another thing, too, like um, we didn't touch on, but I reported this week that WWE was contract tampering with some of AEW's talents, and that's why Tony Khan came out and said, uh, not after what they did, I won't do a AEW-WWE crossover event. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the rumours of um, Fish going, Malachi Black going, and the timing of this contract tampering doesn't look good on a WWE's end if that's where they end up. I wonder who the contract tampering was with. Yeah, he he hasn't come out and said that. Hmm. I'm guessing, judging by these two guys' contracts being up and them looking to be going, doesn't take much to put two and two together. Yeah. Uh, time to my talk biggest about... con- my biggest concern about Malachi leaving is what does this mean for Buddy? Buddy gets fed, uh, gets that match with Kenny Omega, but gets squashed in two minutes. Probably. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to Buddy. Oh, how long is he under contract for? Who would I put Buddy with? That's actually a really good question. 
I would I put mean, Buddy and Brody King in the Dark Order. Like, as top guys in the Dark Order. Turn Dark Order heel. The problem with Dark Order is you are dropping members like flies. You need to do something with Dark Order, install a new leader, turn them heel, or disband them. Yeah. What if the new leader of the Dark Order is a really tall, bearded dude called Brody? Full of tattoos? <laughs> well, Brody Lee didn't have tats. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it, and they do need... Like, if you're not going to make Hangman... That's why I was thinking, oh, Hangman's going to win these trio titles, and then he's going to be new leader of the Dark Order, and that's how they're going to do something with Dark Order. No. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to cause tension between Hangman and Dark Order. And... Okay. Well, maybe if House of Black is breaking up, maybe, yeah, put Brody and Buddy over there and Julia Hart. I mean, Dark Order does need a new women's member. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, time to talk about the main event. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. So, match number 15 of the evening. It is John Moxley, your AEW world champion, going up against CM Punk. The crowd, unsurprisingly, is in favour of CM Punk here. And the match goes 20 minutes, you know, pretty good match. Hits the GTS, gets the win. One, two, three. Punk is champion again. Oh, boy. <laughs> really good match. Yeah. Fucking I'm great not, match. Not denying that, I think, because I watched this and then I immediately went to the post-show straight after. <laughs> It did sort of leave a, a sour note on me. Um, the, yeah. I, I think this actually was the right result. Oh, yeah. No like, doubt. Yeah. Not knowing what's going to happen during the post-show. Um, also, yeah, like, you had to put it on Punk considering who won the casino ladder match. And the post-match here, Punk celebrating... Lights go out, and we hear a voicemail message from Tony Khan. Yep. Saying, uh, basically saying, um, you need to come back at all out. Um, I won't force you to sign an extension. I'll pay you a bleaked out amount of money. Um, the fans. As much as you don't like the fans, the fans need you back. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Then they cut to like an old Ring of Honor promo where Sam Punk's talking about the devil and the snake and stuff. And then... Oh, yeah. The greatest, to... the greatest thing the, world, uh, the devil ever did was convince the world that he didn't exist. Yeah. And then it cuts to the Joker in a dark room. Back to the camera takes off the mask, and he says, and I am the devil himself, and then he puts on the scarf. I've got goosebumps thinking about the pop when that scarf goes on. <laughs> and MJF's music hits, out he comes. 
I think at Grand Slam we're getting Punk MJF for the title and MJF wins the title in New York. Yeah, yeah, I don't hate it. I, don't I mean, if Punk's that. still there by then. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get there shortly. I suppose, for me, how many um, how many beers and match of the night? Uh, 4.5. It wasn't better than Clash at the Castle. Um, some great storytelling in there. Uh the post-match stuff really felt like I was booking it for fugs. Like that whole thing with the Tony Khan voicemail message felt like, uh, Ale- like felt like a fruity booking a post-credit scene after a pay-per-view. <laughs> um, felt very much like how I envisioned that. Um, Match of the night, I'm going to give it to the main event. I thought the main event was really solid. There was so many near falls that I... Actually, no, fuck it. I'll give it to the tag match, actually. Either one. Fuck, they were both really good matches. Tag match? They claimed... They claimed and swerve in our glory. I thought you said either one, so I was looking for a second one, and the only other one I saw was the mixed tag type in the show, and I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) No, I meant like either the main event or the tag match. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, five beers. Uh, WWE and AEW are still chalk and cheese to me. Um, whilst WWE gave quality <laughs> and a shorter time frame, uh, AEW gave quantity and quality in a longer time frame. Uh, match of the night for me, honourable mention to the women's tag match because, uh, the women's four-way, sorry, because that was a, a really good match. It just suffered from having to follow an incredible tag match that I gave match of the night to. It's worth now glory versus the acclaimed. I'm just looking at my uh, match of the year candidates and I do not have Moxley and Punk in that list, but yeah, I do have the... I do have the acclaimed versus Swerve in our glory added to my match of the year candidate. So obviously that's my match of the night then. Fuck. Ah, uh, well. Um, so that, that's a pretty good wrap. Uh, where can the good humans find you? And then, and, 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 oh, yeah. We've got to talk about this uh, media scrum, don't we? Oh, man. Um, have you ever seen a man be so angry while eating muffins? <laughs> The Muffin Man? <laughs> the Muffin Man. <laughs> uh, um, so, I have listened to Alvarez and Meltzer's show <laughs> since this. Right. And um, the, Alvarez said, like, one of the most questions I got asked was, was the question that got asked because the feed started, like, two minutes into the press conference? And he said, no question was asked. Punk just sat down. And he was angry, and he just started going off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, Punk, when we joined the feed, Punk is pissed, and it looks like a reporter's asked him about um, Scott Colton, uh, a.k.a. Colt Cabana, mm-hmm. and he's saying he's pissed that it's like seven, eight years later, and he still has to go on about all this, and that he paid him his money, and it's done with, and can we move on, please? And Oh boy, 
Oh, boy. Yeah, he says, can we move on, please? And everyone else in that room is trying to move on, but he isn't. He keeps bringing it back up. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, so like there were those stuff, that stuff that came out the last few weeks about punk and issues backstage, getting into a fight with Hangman and Hangman sticking up the Colt Cabana and stuff like that. There was rumours about that and there was rumours about, like, Punk going into business for himself in a promo because Hangman did it during their feud before Double or Nothing. And those rumours... Like, Punk basically implied in this media scrum that because of the thing that Hangman said before the Double or Nothing pay-per-view, he put AEW's first million-dollar gate in jeopardy, which basically implies that Punk was that pissed that he was contemplating not showing up to Double or Nothing. Yep. Um, man, CM Punk on my TV screen, one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. But when it's got to a point now, and I've said this exact same thing about Sasha Banks, where everywhere they go, it, these sort of issues keep happening. Is it the people they're working with that's the problem, or is it them? And we're now at the point where it's clearly CM Punk that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, he'd be better off not being there. Yeah, there's a point to that. Um, all of these, all of these issues, have just sprung up over the past couple of weeks. And what else happened these past couple of weeks? Sam Punk returned. <laughs> like. There was no backstage issues in AEW before Punk turned up. Like, at least to the public. I'm sure there were behind the scenes, but nothing got out there. Punk then goes on a rant talking about, like, how certain EVPs in the company are leaking these fake stories to the wrestling news, and we know that he's talking about the Bucks and Kenny. And he calls out Alvarez at this point. You got, you got something to say, Alvarez? Still pissed at me? <laughs> to which, like, Brian said on his podcast, he's gone, what? I haven't said anything. <laughs> oh, man. Um, this he... was a train wreck. This is train wreck TV that you know is a disaster, but you can't stop watching. Oh, it was so entertaining. <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, even for some of the right. Like, I, I think we can safely rule out that it's a work now, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't even gone to uh, <laughs> the end of Punk's 
interview yet. Jesus Christ. Like, what else do we need to cover from it? Because there's a lot. Like, I'm uh, definitely forgetting some stuff. He blames the EVPs, blames Hangman. He goes on about Colt Cabana again, gets up and leaves. And uh, as he leaves, uh, <laughs> is this the part where we talk about this or do we talk about the rest of the press conference first? No, talk about it. So apparently he goes to another part of backstage and he meets up with Ace Steel and Ace Steel's wife who's there watching Larry while Punk was doing the press conference. And somehow the Bucks and Kenny walk in. And there's an altercation. Somebody throws a punch first. Some people say one of the Bucks. Some people say Punk. Yeah. And in this ensuing chaos, A still throws a chair and hits one of the Bucks in the eye. Yeah, Nick Jackson, apparently. And bit Kenny Omega. And pulled his hair. Yeah. What in the actual fudge? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, what Honestly. is happening here? Um, so what I saw today pretty much conf- like was stuff just pretty much reiterating that. Um, yeah, I'll just quickly going up with it. Um, yeah, so according to Fightful, Punk is alleged to have begun the physicality by swinging punches at Matt Jackson. Nick okay. Jackson... Nick Jackson was said to be either rocked or knocked out due to Ace Steel throwing a chair at him. Steel is alleged to have tussled with Kenny Omega, with, with Steel apparently biting Omega as well as pulling his hair. FTR, who are friends with Punk and Hangman Page, weren't in the building when all this was happening. I don't know why they felt that was needed to say. Okay, cool. Um... One person close to the situation was quoted as saying there was a lot of cursing. You would imagine so. If someone's getting bit, they're not going to be like, oh, sugar, oh, sugar. (laughs) Um, Uh, You uh, seem to have bitten me on the arm. Could you please remove your teeth from my arm? Yeah. Dear, oh, dear. Ouchie, wouchie. Um, (laughs) A lot of cursing, a lot of mayhem, and a lot of people not being willing to hash it out. The reports from Wrestling Observer has has corroborated the reports from for regarding Punk starting the thing, still hitting Nick with a chair and biting Omega. Now, here's my this is where I'm a bit skeptical. Is this whole thing kind of paints Punk in the bad light, right? But Punk, but the people reporting this are the people that Punk was just going at in that media scrum. So is it possible that they're deliberately painting Punk in the bad light? I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. I don't believe that they're painting Punk in the bad light, but you just said it yourself, Brian Alvarez getting picked on um, in that media scrum. And then in this article I'm reading... Wrestling Observer has confirmed that Punk was in the wrong. 
So, oh, I wonder why he was confirmed by Wrestling Observer. Because they fucking hate him from that. Um, According to Punk. Yeah. But, like, Punk just went off at Alvarez. So, of course, Observer are going to be like, yeah, Punk bad. Kenny good. Kenny comes (laughs) on our shows all the time. (laughs) Also true. Yeah. According... According to PW Insider, Bucks and Omega were the ones that confronted Punk in his dressing room, but PW Insider didn't mention who hit first. So there's another different recounting of events. I would assume Bucks and Omega had to have like showed up first to start the confrontation because there's no way all that shit gets said about the EVPs being childish Punk saying that, what do you call Hangman? Like a empty-headed idiot or something like that. Call him something, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I don't something like airheaded or something like that. Um, after the sides were separated, they continued to argue, leading to the Bucks and Omega exiting the area of Punk's locker room. Yeah, this report confirms that one of the Bucks had a black eye. Um, now, that, I suppose... Yeah. yeah. I'll continue on. What source did you say that was? P- PW Insider. They're pretty credible as well. Yeah. Uh, Dave Meltzer has reported that this thing was absolutely not a work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> adding you, on Dave. the... Adding on the latest episode of his Wrestling Observer radio show that legal representatives have gotten involved now, which is why AEW hasn't commented publicly. Uh, The direct quote from Dave here is, it's not a work, I can tell you. There's legal people involved, a lot of legal situations involved. It's going to be very messy. That's why AEW is not talking about it. So I would, yeah. It's 2022. If that sort of shit happens, of course, lawyers are going to get involved. Um, um, have you... Go on. Yeah. Have no, you, you go. Out anything from, um, from Post? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so this one's coming from Andrew Thompson at Post. Physical altercation took place after all that involving CM Punk, A still and the Elite. Uh, First came to speak to the media post all out publicly, addressed Colt Cabana, blah, blah, blah. Brought up the company's EVPs referring to Omega and the Bucks, but did not mention them by name, uh, stating they could not run a target. I mean, what other EVPs are there now? (laughs) Cody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he was talking all that shit about Cody this whole time. Uh, Hangman Page and stated he went into business with him, uh, for himself on national television. Uh, according to reports from both PW Insider and FT- F4W Online, which is the Observer, Figure 4 Online, uh, there was a physical altercation that took place following Punk's press conferences, first reported by Fight for Select, uh, that were some in the company who were not ha- happy with what Punk said at the presser. The situation involved Punk, Ace Steel, and the elite Ken, uh, Omega and the Bucks. Uh, PW Insider 
brought up, Reed said Omega and the Bucks went to Punk's locker room to confront him with the physical alterca- altercation took place with Punk. Uh, man Nick, but there was no confirmation uh, on their end regarding who threw the first punch. Uh, Ace still arrived on the scene going bold, but it's known that his wife was in the vicinity of the incident. Okay. Uh, Steel and Punk are close friends. A number of AW personnel split the two sides apart after they continued to shout at each other. F4W right up notes that Punk threw the first punch at Matt Jackson. Ace still threw a chair uh, that hit Nick and then proceeded to lay hands on Kenny Omega and allegedly bit him. AEW has yet to comment on the matter. Following Chris Jericho's media scrum, he whispered to Cody, uh, Tony Khan some shit went down as he exited the stage. Tony was uh, present for the entire scrum and did not see the incident as it happened in real time. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. Yeah, um, I just this is a pretty shit joke, but I'll squeeze it in. I just thought about um, like steel. What's similar to steel? Iron. A steel. Iron Mike. They love biting people in fights. Um, but anywho. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I thought about that too. I must admit, as soon as I heard about the biting. Fucking unreal. Um, thing is i didn't even know fucking ace steel was in this company until he showed up on dynamite this week to cut that promo with punk yeah yeah he's just like randomly fucking spawned into this into this weird fucking gta game that they call the aw locker room and yeah he's randomly joined this lobby and just decided to fucking give everyone five stars from the police. <laughs> it's just chaos. Oh, like, uh, this, like, I play a lot of GTA Online lately, and it's like sometimes you're in those lobbies where everyone's just minding their own business, just doing their missions, trying to make some money, all that sort of stuff, and then that one person joins the lobby and just starts shooting everyone, causing all the mayhem. Now, now, was CM Punk that person, or was it A Steel? Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. if CM Punk poured the uh, the gasoline onto this uh this bonfire, A Steel's certainly the one who looks like he lit the match. Well, A Steel's the one fucking roasting marshmallows on it. <laughs> um, so it's a uh, quoted here as Punk also saying about the EVPs. Stupid guys who think they're in Reseda <laughs> uh, talking about them still having the PWG mentality calling Hangman Page as an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck. Yeah, that's it. Wow. It was Two such words in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, as we all know from this podcast, I'm the sort of guy that uses the word fuck a lot. When I'm super angry, the amount of times I've called someone a fucking fuckhead or something like that, like, you know someone's really angry if they use the word fuck twice to describe it. So, 
Yeah. Oh, that's right. He also described MJF as a super talented individual while also saying likes to shit where he eats instead of watering the grass. <laughs> Let's just keep burning those bridges, shall we? Yeah. Um, let's just say, now I, I'm not biased or anything, but none of this shit was happening when Cody was in charge. <laughs> I mean, true. I mean, there's or facts to what I just said. It wasn't getting out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so no, no, I, I'm I'm retracting my statement. None of this shit ha- was happening. When Brandy Rhodes was the chief branding officer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, uh, Meltzer also reported that police would become involved. Legal action was pending as a result of the brawl. Yeah, and um, what sort of made this whole thing, like, confirmed as real to me is the fact that usually Tuesday mornings here in Australia... First thing I do when I wake up is click on YouTube because BTE is already posted. The fact that BTE didn't get posted until today by the elite means that, yeah, shit went down. And obviously in BTE, nothing was addressed. Yeah. You didn't, um, you didn't see much of the Bucks after the show, after the pay-per-view, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. Ugh. This is fucking surreal. This is that whole thing. You live long, you live life long enough as Brett, you see yourself become Sean. But he's sort yep. of become Brett all over again because he just punched his boss. <laughs> um, I suppose anything else from the uh, press conference of note? I'm just trying to think what other guess he had. He had the tag champs sort of set up their um their match with um the acclaim heading into Grand Slam. The Media sort of asked, were you turning hill? Was there pressure to call an audit? And they just sort of steamrolled over those two questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a point during this press conference where you can see in the background security start to sprint backstage. Yep. Um, so the most notable stuff I have to bring up from this press conference, just a, no offence to... Chris Jericho or Swerving Our Glory or Tony Storm. It's not really that noteworthy. Um, after the Jericho portion, I don't know if you picked up on this, but it's definitely been making the rounds on Twitter. Jericho whispers into Tony Khan's ear yeah. and a, a mic picks up him saying some shit went down. Yeah. And Tony Khan just like has this look of like, oh, fuck. And, and then on. the yeah, I can't the tar- leave you alone for ten minutes. Yeah, fucking children, man. Um, like the whole thing's so fucking childish, to be honest. Like, like fuck, man. Your your celebrities, like fake news, is going to come out every now and then. Get over it. It just happens in in life when you're a celebrity. Uh, how many of those, um, like you'll be cruising a website and a pop-up will pop up and I'll say, so-and-so celebrity has died or so-and-so celebrity has been, like, is dead. And you click on the article and it says, dead tired of fake media reports. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's like that's a, actually kind of funny. Headline. Yeah, but that's kind of funny though. Um, yeah, but but like Tony Khan and his portion, he ended up going off. Um, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but he pretty much says like pretty much accused WWE of counter program counter programming him for the weekend with Clash oh, yeah, of the Castle. Said, he said last weekend there was no wrestling events we went up against and we did record buys and a record gate. This weekend there's there's three record uh, there's two other wrestling events. It's not a coincidence, is it? And that's no. when they sort of asked about the contract tampering and he said he doesn't really want to comment on it. He and he also said at one point, like, I, I feel like they're treating me like how they treated Jim Crockett promotions back in the 80s, like with the yeah. counter programming. But the difference between me and Jim Crockett is I have fucking money. Ouch, <laughs> <laughs> <Ash> Crockett's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, um, Jim Crockett promotions, by the way, that promotion that returned last month. So, bang. Shots fired. Um, uh, but also, he, he said something about how he's fucking sick of this shit and he's not going to take it anymore. And, like, yeah, everyone was on edge, man. Like, Tony Khan was in a shitty mood. Man, if you were to ask me show of the weekend, it was this press conference, man. <laughs> it fucking was, man. Like, if... You give me fucking. Ooh, I've always said hang on, the best. We've got a, a new update here from the Observer. You continue on. I'm just gonna have a quick look at this. I've always said the wrestling matches are the least interesting part about wrestling. <laughs> you give me a dynamite for two hours and it's just this. Oh, I'm fucking sold. I'm I'm counting the minutes to each episode every week. <laughs> So, as I'm reading this report, this was updated about an hour ago. Uh, so, it reads, uh, Chris Jericho and John Moxley rescheduled to appear on AEW Dynamite suspensions update. Two stars weren't originally scheduled for Wednesday, but were called into duty. Uh, this coming from Wrestling Observer website. Uh, due to the ever-changing situation following the all-out backstage fight between Punk, Steel, the Bucks and Omega, changes have been made to Wednesday's Dynamite. Uh, Meltzer reporting that two of those changes, including former world champions Jericho and Moxley, both appearing on Wednesday's Buffalo, New York debut, neither were originally scheduled to appear. It's unknown if they will be wrestling or simply doing promos. Uh, Meltzer said there are suspensions stemming from Sunday's fight uh, was a result of Punk's fallout press conference comments where he called all uh, the VIP... Uh, EVPs of AEW in addition to Hangman, Cabana and MJF with inflammatory language. Still, Pat Buck will not be at Wednesday's Dynamite. It's unconfirmed if they are officially suspended. Meltzer also believes others were involved in the fight will not be brought to Buffalo. Uh, as for now, they are the only two officially announced uh, announced matches. Okay, that's all it says. Just so so here's my question for you. Not going, yeah? So here's my question for you. If yeah, yeah. Punk isn't suspended and he gets in front of a live crowd, 
He gets booed, right? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to think so. There's no way, like, I don't think the elite gets booed out of this. Well, no, their name's in the company. Oh, and there was another rumour that fucking Kenny and the Bucks threatened to leave the company after this. Bobby Fish issues intervention to AEW Sam Punk for a fight. Oh, he wants him to come on his podcast and work it oh, out. Oh, invitation, not intervention. No, close enough. Uh, yeah, well... <laughs> I don't think Punk wants to do any podcast talking about backstage problems anymore. <laughs> I, I I doubt he's willing to do that these days after what's happened in the past. Uh, three conflicting reports saying who started the fight. So, yeah, once... I mean, it's just sad to see, isn't it? This company's like now got everyone back. They're firing on all cylinders. They're doing great ratings, great gates. And then this happens and it's just like, you idiots. Yeah. Um, oh, well, Cadis has a few words to say about it, apparently. Um, but yeah, this is... I, I think... As fucking problematic as all this is, yeah, this is going to pop some big numbers for AEW. For Dynamite, it will this week. Yeah, but yeah. for, for at least this week's Dynamite, they're going to, I reckon, like 1.1, 1.2 million. Like, yeah, like maybe 1.2 million. Because, like... We saw it earlier this year. The day after fucking Vince's allegations, we saw the big-ass number that popped for SmackDown. People will want to watch just to see, like, how What's they address happening? this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people will watch to see if they address this. And unlike WWE, I have full confidence in AEW just being like, all right, people are going to watch to see a shit show. And we're going to make the most of it and do our best possible fucking wrestling show ever. And you know, do some crazy start, angles, all that sort of shit. At the start of every show, you see four words. All elite wrestling dynamite. But the most important of those words is elite. Is all. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. yeah um, yeah, so it's just a really interesting time. Uh, I said in one of my wrestling group chats, I said, by this time next year, Kenny and the Bucks will be in the E. It's either going to be by this time next year, Kenny and the Bucks are in the WWE or Sam Punk's not wrestling. Same punk's not wrestling. I think there's a chance that, that the Bucks 
and Kenny are just like, well, fuck it. We've done everything we've needed to do here. We're out. I mean... Kenny's contract is up at the start of next year. Punks punks is up... uh, Oh, not punks. Bucks Bucks are up nine months later. So... uh, I... What's left for them to do in this company? Not much. Not much at all. Uh, I think I think they're out. I think they leave. And it's going to be really fucking weird when the elite from All Elite Wrestling are gone. Yeah, I think Tony's at a crossroads. He either... He has to pick a side. Yeah, and this, the correct side to pick is the elite. He has to. He has to side with the elite. Because if he, here's a here's the bigger thing. If they go, then the fans are going to be the large portion of the fans will be disillusioned. I've already seen a fair few go because Cody left. Yeah. What's going to happen if all your EVPs are gone? Yeah. And yeah, and then oh, the elite go, then Hangman will be tempted to leave. And then, like, you know, other guys, like, they basically handpicked the roster to start off this company. So a lot of those day one people would be like, yeah, fuck it. We'll follow the guys that fucking built this joint. We'll follow them out. And the thing that worries me is how Tony Khan just sat there and let CM Punk say all that stuff. And, like, at certain points was sitting there, like, quietly nodding to some of the stuff. Like, he didn't yeah. look happy, but he was, like, nodding. And that worries me into thinking that has he already picked his side? Mm, also true. I suppose time will tell, but uh, speaking of which, we have gone pretty long today. Uh, anything yeah. else you want to discuss? Uh, looking forward to Dark Side of the Rings uh, Season 4, the press conference from hell. <laughs> uh, I mean, they do like to have Meltzer on those shows, and I mean, he was there. Man, <laughs> like... Like, this year has provided a few potential Dark Side of the Ring moments. Um, This, Vince, all that. Um, Man, what a fucking year in wrestling. Just think about everything that's happened. Yeah. Crazy. This is a fucking crossroad in wrestling. Um, Yes. Cody. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a big part of it. Uh, if all elite wrestling goes downhill from here, can you say that all elite wrestling was just a flash in the pan? I would say so, yeah. If they fuck up from here and have gone in two, three years, then yeah. Yeah. You can't get to that height that you have and then squander it away. Yeah, and this is... 
Like, unless somehow fucking Tony Khan pulls a miracle and somehow manages to get fucking Punk, the Bucks, and the and Kenny Omega in the same room and just be like, hey, you guys don't have to like each other, but I need you guys to work together. Yep. And there were, I, I think it was Fightful reported that someone from w, a quote-unquote unnamed top star in WWE said, commented to Sean Ross Sapp and said that the best thing for them to do is to turn this shoot into a work. And if they can put their egos aside and turn, put their egos aside and turn this into fucking money-making business, it's going to be good for every company around because it could be a fucking huge moneymaker if they fucking put their egos aside and decide to make some money with this. It really would. Yeah, it, it really would. I hope that these guys can just be like, all right, I fucking hate you. Sean fucking hated Brett. Brett hated Sean. But they fucking got in there and did business when when needed, when need be. Like, so let's hope that they can fucking do this because right now the biggest fucking potential box office money-making match that All Elite Wrestling could put on is Kenny Omega versus Sam Punk. True. So let's just hope that they can fucking get their shit together and do it. I'm not I'm not hopeful with that because Punk is a fucking issue. He is a head case. It's proven. Um Yeah. Oh what a shit show. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, and they said TNA to... was dead, but this feels very TNA. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for a full year in two, three months. Yeah. I, I'm, I've never been more excited or intrigued to watch an episode of Dynamite before. And the problem with all this is Punk just killed his own fucking angle by doing what he did in that press conference. Because he's got this angle with MJF that's going to happen. And now no one fucking gives a shit about it. <laughs> because of yeah. what he said. He killed his own fucking angle. He killed the pay-per-view because that became an immediate afterthought to go and watch this for free on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Also, so, what the fuck was up with the fucking sound on the All Elite Wrestling feed of this fucking press conference? Everyone sounded like this. Everyone had real distorted and deep voices. Did you get that as well? Yeah, a little. I don't yeah. think it was as bad. I think they had tried to clean it up a little by the time it, it wasn't live. Yeah. 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 Anyway, fucking. They need to fix their mic issue when people are asking questions. Yeah. Because half the time you can't hear the actual question and they respond to it. Yeah. Like, Wait, what? That's a, that's a really good idea. We should look into that. Look into what? <laughs> Imagine uh, being Colt Cabana fucking sitting at home 
finding out that your former best friend just exposed to the entire fucking world that you have a shared bank account with your mother. How fucking pissed would you be? Poor guy. Yeah. Like, uh, let me just double check, but he's gone from being incredibly active on Twitter to hasn't said a thing since uh, Sunday. Can't so, Yeah. He's got no choice. He has liked a few tweets, but yeah. like nothing of any interest. Fair enough. Um, actually, he liked a tweet by Miro. This is interesting. CM Punk in May put up a tweet that said, doesn't matter if your opinion of your co-worker is positive or negative. Oh, fucking hell, Punk. Stand with them because they'll do the same thing to you and you'll wish someone helped. Trust me, you're expendable. Together, you're unstoppable. This is what Sam Punk said in May. You're kidding me, right? Miro retweeted it with a laughing emoji in May, and Colt Cabana liked it recently. Okay, hang on. I'm going to have a look. Yeah, if you look in Colt Cabana's liked tweets, it's there. Um... Hangman responded the next day just by saying, Happy Labor Day. Because <laughs> Hangman's the best on Twitter. <laughs> um, I mean, he sort of got off easy. Yeah, and he was the one that Punk was more so going at. Let's be real. Called him a fucking dumb fuck. <laughs> That's free insult. Uh... He called him a fucking, what was it? Empty-headed fucking dumb fuck. With, yeah, fucking insane. Um, Oh, Cabana. Man. Yeah, besides that. So, how's uh, Smack It Down been? It's doing good, man. Uh, we recorded an episode last week. I'm pretty sure it's up. If it hasn't been up, Jay's slacking with editing. Um, hey, it's a it's a it's a very hard job, and I'm thankful. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, you actually edit. He all he does is chuck an intro on the start, so there's no reason for him to be slacking. No, no, it's not out yet, but it'll be out soon. Um. It'll be incredibly outdated because it has all out predictions on it, but give it a listen anyway. Uh, you check it out at Sid underscore pod, search up Smacking Down Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Find me on Instagram, Twitter at Fruity Alex. Find us at WrestleOz Style with an AUS. And you can find Chris at. I'm Chris Funder. You can go back and listen to the entire Wrestling All Star archive for free on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Or using the RSS feed down the show notes below for your podcast choice, including Apple. Nothing left to say, but good day and we'll speak to you next time.
Yeah, and just remember, be nice to your co-workers, you fucking dumb fucks. <laughs> what a fucking hypocrite. Together, we can make this place better. Unless you're a fucking dumb fuck who's an empty uh, head fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck or you idiot. shit where you eat because you think the grass will get greener. <laughs> <laughs>